And now, introducing the man who has to leave today's show early for his upcoming match in the French Open. The man who is still disgusted about having to put on a suit for the Preakness on Saturday. And the man who bet his entire life savings and his house on the hopes that Adley Rutschman would hit his first career home run last night. And he didn't. But he is. Glenn. Clark. And he didn't. He didn't. What a casual. You know, he didn't. What a super You're, You lost your entire house, you know, all your life savings. I'm sorry. That is rough, man. Had to throw it in there for you. I know yeah. Paul. I know yeah. Paul likes to go pretty aggressive, but, so I felt like I had to. But, but had to fill the shoes. But it's just the w- aptly. It's just I just really <laughs> the, way, the, the yeah. delivery that I enjoyed. Well, and he did. I'm glad I could please. Good morning. It is Glenn Clark Radio. Zach Goodman is here today. Hello. Um, it's good to have. It's been a while since I've seen Zach. It's been a while, um, and I know that Zach. Uh, Zach's been fighting through it. Um, you know, we we're back. Unfortunately. Just when we thought we were all through the um, the the worst of the uh, the COVID pandemic, we were reminded over the last month or two, uh, it's still very real. Um, yes. And you are not the only person in the press box family that's been dealing with it. Um, I, I know Stan's been dealing with it, and hope he's doing all right. But um, and I, and I, I'll tell you, I you know Stan, Stan did his show last night. I talked to him yesterday. He said he's feeling better. I know um, it's something we got to still take very seriously and be vigilant about. And that sucks because. We were really hoping that that was over, and now we're going to be throwing monkeypox into the mix, too. So, uh, really, it's just a hell of a time. A hell of a time for us. Um, but Zach's here. Um, you know him from the bat around every Saturday, uh, he and Paul. And, and even as Paul has moved on from Glenn Clark Radio, uh, he's continuing with Zach on the bat around every Saturday morning, 10 to noon, talking baseball. So, we'll talk uh, some baseball this morning here. Griffin today is graduating. We are happy for him, um, and he'll be back tomorrow. And then he's leaving us once again. <laughs> Great way to start a new job. Like it's I had, I had the conversation with him the day that that I that I hired him. I said, Griffin, I got to be honest with you. This is about the worst possible way that anyone <laughs> has ever started a new job. Now to be fair, he he warned me about it beforehand, and you know we made a company decision. It would be unfair to make a hiring decision based on. The fact that someone had pre-scheduled uh, a graduation trip. Like, mm. y- you earned that. He's going out. He's going to enjoy himself. And then we'll get rolling with it when he gets back. But Where is Griffin headed? I believe Colorado is what he said. Oh, that's nice. I believe right. that's the case, which is weird because I don't think you can still ski in Colorado at this point. I expected you to say, like, Florida or something. But, well, you know. but it would be hot as hell at this point. I guess Florida. it would I don't be. know where, like, the, the perfect place to go would be in May. Maybe like Myrtle Beach. That would be a solid, Maybe, solid yeah, spot. Maybe. Yeah, Myrtle Beach might be the best spot. Charleston actually would be wonderful. I, I don't, I'm, And I'm not swearing by it, but I think he said Colorado. And maybe they're just not <laughs> skiing. Maybe they're going out there. They'll go see Red Rocks. I don't know. I don't I, I don't. I don't know. Or maybe you can still ski in Colorado in May. I, I got to be honest with you. I think I saw something that like at the Air Force Academy's graduation ceremonies, it was snowing. So, <laughs> well... There's you that. know, maybe you're still skiing out in Colorado. I don't, I don't know the answer. Uh, but good to have Zach with us this morning. All right, uh, let me quickly say something. Uh, admittedly, I didn't sleep much last night. Um, and I think like a lot of like Americans, we all kind of probably know why. And that's not a bit. I'm not just saying that. I genuinely did not get much sleep last night. And I, it, it wasn't like a I'm, I'm personal. I'm trying to make it about myself type of thing. It's more just like a... I just think our brains were were a little overwhelmed, um, and I think especially this is the first time since my older son has been conscious uh, conscious of of something like this this type of tragedy 
that I've had to deal with this as a parent. And that's, I gotta be honest with you, man. Like that's, that is even harder than I thought it was going to be. And my son has talked to me openly about like how at his school they have active shooter drills. And I, I hate the fact that they have to. I hate the fact that like, that's just the way it is. And I think we're all sick. I think there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions about how to fix it, and I don't know the right answers, but I am I am listening on any of it. I think anyone who dismisses any of it is insane. This just this is nuts. This is badass that this continues to happen. And I again, I don't know. I'm a dumb guy. I'm not even really all that smart when it comes to sports. I'm sure as F not that smart when it comes to other things. I, I, I feel every picture that's shared of one of these babies that was murdered. I, it, God. And you don't have to be a parent for the, to, hit, to have it hit you. At all. It's not just a, as a parent. No, 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 no. Because you have a soul. Because you're breathing. Because you have a pulse. It hits you. It's dreadful. Dreadful. Fix it. Blame. I don't. I, I, I just. You won't get me to do the blame thing. You won't get me to do the. This is all about the red team or it's all about the blue team thing. You'll never get me to do that. Fix it. And you can say, well, that's a cop out. No, it's not. It's on all of them. It's not a cop out. It's on all of them. Everyone fix it. And anyone who dismisses anything as potentially being part of the solution, anything at all, get the F out of here. Babies murdered. Actual babies murdered. So we do sports here, and that's what we're going to do this morning. Because that's what you tuned in. And because, again, I'm not qualified. Zach actually is quite smart. But even he, we're not qualified. We don't have the answers. I'm not articulate enough. I'm not well-spoken enough. We'll talk about baseball. We'll talk about the silly things that we talk about, the trivial matters that we discuss. But I, I'm not lying. I, I did not. I, today, might, I really did not sleep last night. Genuinely did not sleep. I mean, I, it, was a, it was just rough. It was really rough, man. And so I'm going to be as open and honest about that as I can. I am exhausted. Exhausted. And I don't really, you know, I'm like a, Zach, I don't know how you are about this. Maybe you're a healthier mental person than I am. I don't really talk to people about these things. And I know I should. And I know that, like, we, I, every adult males have had a history of not talking about these things. And instead of making fun of people who do talk about them, say, on the Internet, and we say things like, oh, you're just making it about yourself. Maybe that's the healthiest thing somebody can do sometimes. Maybe it's not necessarily about attention. Maybe it's sometimes it's just people dealing with something and processing it. No, I don't necessarily think it's about attention. I don't think, I think that's... sometimes it can be. I think there are people... It depends that, on the person, probably. I, I'm not saying... I, I, I think that that still might be okay. I think it might be okay, even if it is. Mm-hmm. To just talk about it in some form or fashion. Yeah. 
process it. Have a conversation. It ain't going to fix it. It ain't going to bring these babies back to life. It ain't going to solve our country's solutions. But maybe we do need to talk about it. And I admit, I'm not good at that. I'm the guy who says, ah, who cares? I'm some dope that does an internet sports show. Nobody cares. Nobody cares what I think about this. So I just sort of shut up about it. And I don't have all the answers. I've said before, the, the discussion about guns in this country does trouble me. Because I don't think there is a clean, clear answer. Stop production of guns. What about the ones that are all out there? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's complicated. If I think the Mike Messina discussion is complicated, imagine how much more complicated this is. I do think that in the name of scoring points on the internet, we just say things sometimes swiftly without really diving in. Do I flatly agree that it should probably be more difficult for people to get guns? Yeah, I do. And if you hate me now and don't want to listen to the show, that's fine. I flatly agree with that. I think it should be more difficult. And I get it. Somebody else would say, well, you don't understand. In, in certain places, it's very difficult. Fine. Fine. You're right. I don't. I don't know. I'm making a broad statement, and it's why I'm not the expert. Do I think that maybe we do need more security? Yes. Do I think we need to improve mental health? Yes. But I think anybody who's dismissing any one aspect or trying to distract from it to push their own agenda can get bent. Sorry, Zach. I know you didn't come in here for me to to flip and, and lose my mind about this, but it's I, very difficult. And I, I really did not get much sleep last It's night. a very warranted discussion, so I, um, I'm just going to say And I know, I, just, I literally just said, <laughs> we're not going to do this because I'm not qualified, and then I just kind of went off anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's not what we it's, do. It's a discussion. It's not what uh, we do. I don't, I don't know how any human, I don't know how someone can just, I, you know, those guys, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, whatever, they get paid a lot of money. Maybe it makes it easier for them. I just don't know how. I don't know how to completely separate and pretend like something's not happening that's very clearly happening. Like, mm-hmm. I thought about it. I was like, do we just not do Would You Rather Wednesday? And I remember, like, people do come here for that reason. Right. They, they do. And so we're going to do it, and we'll get into it, and the scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. But I need you to know I'm a human, too. And I am feeling it. And I'm fed up, and I'm pissed off, and I am I'm hurt, and I'm all of it. And I cried, and I wept. And I don't want it to be about me in any way, because it ain't. But it's hard, man. It's really, really hard. If you're not moved by Steve Kerr, who literally saw his father gunned down at a young age, I don't know what to say. And to say, wow, just yelling about Fix it, but you're not offering any solutions. I don't know. Okay. All right. I promise. I promise. I wish I had a palate cleanser here. There's literally no way <laughs> to have a palate cleanser from this type of product. I I am gonna let you Zach, I appreciate that. Say I, everything I, you need I, to I say. Appreciate it, pal. I, I, I I'm with you. Uh, and I, and, I'm with you. You know, I I I'd, I'd like to hope. Again, it does not take being I, it does not take being a parent. No. It does not take being an American. It does not take it take anyone with a soul 
anyone could have it hit them. It's, it's sickening. It's sickening. <sighs> Maybe I just pause for a second, breathe it out, and we will do our best. It was an entertaining baseball game last night. It didn't, it didn't go the right way. It was. But, I, Zach, I, I don't know the, how familiar you are, but I guess I had said at the beginning of the season, I'll probably spend the first couple weeks of the year watching every baseball game, mm-hmm. and then knowing what I expected the team to be, I'll, I'll probably stop at some point. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, that was exactly right. Like, <laughs> playoffs, came, playoffs came along, sure. and it gave me other things to watch. It gave me other things to that were just, in my mind, better products. And that's sort of the way that it's been. When the Orioles have been good, I absolutely have prioritized the Orioles over the NBA and NHL playoffs over the years. But in the years where the Orioles are not very good, I've just had a point in my life where just watching bad baseball is not a, a good investment of my time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. watching a better product, watching a more entertaining product, and we can have a deep conversation about whether or not the NBA playoffs this year have actually been a good product. They were for a little <laughs> bit. And then every game turned into a 30-point game. I didn't watch more than maybe a minute of the basketball game last night. Yeah, I was wrong about the Mavericks quitting, by the way. They definitely did not do that. They hit all of their threes. I think I'm in somewhat of the same boat as you. Um, you look at the Orioles and what they've been from 2018 to 2021. They haven't been exactly a product you want to sit down and watch every night. And you think, how else could I be spending my time that might be more worth it? And I'm, I'm someone who sat down a lot of those nights and watched the Orioles from 2018 to 2021 and frankly enjoyed a lot of the games, even if they lost, you know, by a run or two or, you know, but if, if they were getting blown out 11 nothing, I'd turn the TV off and or, you know, go to something else or whatever. But when it comes to this team and what they've been in 2022, there is a different. Well, and that's what I wanted to get to. Essence of. I, I it, it went the way I thought it was going to go. Yes. And, and now it's and turning. And then, yeah. oddly. By this week, like after they did, they had the stretch where they went to St. Louis and they were playing good baseball. I mm-hmm. thought, like maybe I'm going to be invested, but that just so happened to be. It's tougher for me on the weekends. A lot going on. Sure. You got two kids. There's just and I'm doing a radio show on Sundays, right? Like there's just a lot happening. So that weekend against Detroit, I didn't really watch anything. And then after the results of that weekend, and them going on a five game losing streak, yeah. I sort of reverted back to, oh right, this was an anomaly. This sure. was not. This is not what they were going to be, and again, I will probably go back to not really watching all that much. But then they sort of bounced back kind of nicely, and then Adley Rutschman was added to the picture. And the presence of Adley Rutschman alone was enough for me to say, I got to pay attention. Like, this, I got to see this dude. Right. And so I admit that for the first two nights of this Yankees series, I have focused solely on the Orioles. Mm-hmm. I have been yeah. watching these games, and it helps that they've both been very compelling, entertaining baseball games. Yeah. Uh, last night did not go so well with the Orioles trying to protect their bullpen and, and using kind of their B guys. And I, I think we've got the answer on whether or not those guys are good enough. Um, th- this is... This is kind of the problem they had. I'm trying to think of, it was, was it 2013 year where they clearly had an A bullpen and a B bullpen? And they had too much of their B bullpen, and like they didn't have enough guys they could actually trust. Like, yeah, it's tough. I know because they had to use a a bullpen game on Sunday, but 
boy, it was it was really difficult last night when you were like, really, this is you're throwing Gillespie out there, right, the, and, then, and then Brian Baker comes out, and yeah, after Keegan Aiken, uh, you know, pitched, really kind of showed his nuts. Yeah, like, frankly, I mean, he's tossing ninety six, hundred percent. That's something was, that we haven't seen the, from him in the ninth inning with multiple runners on base yeah. at Yankee Stadium. I'm like, my God, Keegan Aiken. Um, mm-hmm. So that was frustrating last night, but. But it speaks to, and we tried to do the bit yesterday. We're like, hey, in any way, does this team remind you of the 2012 Orioles? And everybody's like, well, not really, not yet. Like, you know, maybe the 2011 Orioles, right? Maybe they're a mm-hmm. year away. Yeah. We got a lot of that type of response. But there is something compelling about this group. Yeah. I don't know that it will keep me throughout the season. The results will, at some point, likely become too overwhelming for me to say, hey, I'm going to keep tuning in every night. Sure. But certainly as more guys get here, the Grayson Rodriguez's get get here, the D.L. Halls get here as the season goes on, there'll be more of an, a reason to watch. I will. I think what I'm declaring is I'm going to end up watching far more Orioles baseball than I expected <laughs> that I would coming into the season. You know, Paul and I have broken it down pretty uh, pretty in depth over these past few weeks about how the margin of, of losing has gotten a lot slimmer for the Orioles and that, you know, they're losing by one or two runs instead of getting blown out by five or ten runs. And that makes a baseball game entirely more in- enjoyable. Even if the Orioles lose, you're still losing by one run. And you go, okay, you know, that's that's not too bad. Like, this team has a little bit of excitement. This team's in it all the way through. And these guys are playing somewhat competitive baseball. I, I think it's that not... matters more to people that are inclined to watch than it does I would to agree. the broader it, audience. The broader audience audience sure. still largely losses are losses right? i mean right if you're if you're seeing an l in the, in the column you're right. gonna it, it doesn't really matter if it's by one the or two runs and that's not what counts to tune sure you, you and paul you're baseball guys that's yes. what you do you love baseball you're inclined to watch baseball right yeah um the average person probably more of a sports fan inclined to watch what matters inclined mm-hmm. to watch yeah. the same people that aren't golf fans but might have tuned in for the PGA championship right the same people that aren't watching regular season NBA games at all I, I watched outside of my favorite team the Phoenix Suns I watched maybe one regular season NBA game all year right but yet <laughs> right. I get to the playoffs and I'm watching every night because the product matters. It's relevant. It's important. Mm-hmm. It's what people are talking about, and I want to know what it is they're talking about, right? I think for the average person, a loss is a loss. And if a team continues to trend 10, 15, 20 games under 500, saying, hey, yeah, but they're really close, and they're battling, and they're c- that's not going to get me to tune in. It means yeah. nothing in the long run. I mean, right. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing as saying, well, a, you know, a, a, Bloop single is a line drive in the books. They're the same thing. I mean, a, a loss by 10 runs and a loss by one run is the exact same thing in the book, right? It, it, it's not going to say, you know, most Orioles fans aren't going to turn on their TV because the Orioles are losing by one run instead of 10. I get it. That's that's a lot of people. Paul and I are probably in the minority there of being people who will turn but it I, on I for think that what's, specific what's reason. What's relevant is, is it's, it's more, you're going to watch anyway, but you find yourself more compelled. More compelled, sure. And less infuriated yeah, and, and there's it. there's more excitement to me with a lot of these guys even a guy like Rufinet Odor right like this is not a good baseball player and he hasn't been a good baseball player mm-hmm. for maybe four or five years now the guy's been struggling you know basically every season and he comes out here right now and he's uh, in a little bit of a hot streak and he's a guy that a well, lot of people clutch hits all year he's had clutch hits that's yeah. true um as early as as Easter mm-hmm. uh, uh where he he came through and the, the Orioles did beat the Yankees back then but 
my point is with Odor is that this is a guy that people kind of wrote off in the beginning, and now, you know, he's not, he, his war is still negative, he's not putting up incredible numbers, but he's making himself lovable. He's making himself as a likable Oriole to where people are going to turn on the TV and they're going to be more compelled to watch a guy like that than the previous guys that have come through this organization in, you know, 21 and 19 and 20 and all the previous years. That I, I still think, again, I, I still think that's more insider versus outsider, right? It could I be. still think it it's more be. The people that are going to watch anyway are enjoying Rugnet Odor, right? Mm-hmm. Like he plays with this sort of There's swag, a lot of energy. yeah, and and it's it's embraceable, and he comes off as likable, and you were always inclined to like him because he was the guy that punched Jose Bautista, <laughs> right? So sure. So there's some of that that factors in when you have the Rugnet Odor discussion. But I, there, I don't think there's a, an average person. There's a Jim and Arbutus who's sitting there <laughs> saying to himself, like, I've got to tune into the Orioles game tonight because I want to see Rugnet Odor. Now, and, and frankly, Adley Rutschman's the only guy that's, that, that... That's the point. And for now, until Grayson Rodriguez, yeah. until or until there's something else that occurs that demands it. Until you look up, and for a little while, it might have been Jorge Mateo, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's yeah. certainly kind of gone cold a bit here of late. But until something else demands my attention, and the only things that can demand my attention are the guys that I'm being told, these guys are special, mm-hmm. or results, right? Like, one of those two things demands my attention. For me, because I do this for a living, it's just compelling enough for me to say, I'm going to pay a bit more attention than I expected right. to. I expected... And it was ironic because, like, we were doing the bit where if Paul had stayed with us, Paul literally would have been, like, recapping the Orioles for me every day, and that would be my, <laughs> like, my touch of the Orioles. Sure. But the way things have gone, I will probably poke in more frequently than I imagined I was going to. There's a limit to that, right? If they do, if they start falling apart, I, I'm just not going to invest my time that way. Stranger Things comes out this week, and there are things that I'm going to want to watch instead, or maybe, you know spend more time with my kids whatever it is i'm going to do that i'm going to invest my time appropriately because i'm going to realize that for the most part the market has checked out and right now it feels like there's a little bit more of the market that's checked in than i would have expected for that to be the case by the time we got to memorial day for this orioles team don't know that it's going to stay that way and certainly understand that adley rutchman uniquely has driven some of that there was always going to be more interest when Adley Rutschman got here. He's not ripping the cover off the ball. He's not lighting the world on fire. If he were to have some sort of hot streak, that could really drive interest. Adley Rutschman going on a tear and looking like the guy that everybody wanted him to be could be the type of thing that even if the results aren't coming with it is enough to really drive interest in the Baltimore Orioles uh, from the average person, from the, 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 the broader part of the market. But for right now, I'm, I'm measuring it at slightly more interest. And I do think that saying they're, they're compelling in some sort of way is fair. I've talked a lot about like the reason for optimism. There is reason to have optimism. I'm not, I can't oversell that. I was trying to play the game a little bit yesterday with the 12 Orioles, but I couldn't force it. It was force-fed. It was, is, I was trying to get someone to say that they felt a certain way, and I wasn't able to do that, and that's, that's okay. That's, that's kind of what I expected would be the case. Um, but there's something. It's hard to define. There's something mm-hmm. that makes it feel less soul-crushing at the moment to be an Orioles fan, whether it's an ardent Orioles fan, someone who's, who's in no matter what, 
or whether it's a casual Orioles fan Mm -hmm. who is finding more reasons to want to be in. There's just something that's, again, just interesting, not, not overwhelming, not outstanding, not any of those things, just kind of interesting right now i think at some point the novelty wears off with rutschman too and i i I think it particularly if he's not if he's if he's just playing fine right Right, sure if he's not lighting the world on fire then you may get less people inclined to tune in but i I think even for myself i mean the first three games of adley rutschman saturday sunday and monday i was pretty excited to watch every at bat and i was by my tv ready to watch it very, very invested. Uh, last night, I only watched about half the game. I didn't see Adley Rutschman's single he hit. I did not see the two strikeouts he mm-hmm. hit. I didn't. I wasn't as invested because I had other things going on, and I didn't really just t- sit down and tune myself into the game. And I don't. I think there's a lot of people that like baseball a lot less than I do that are going to think the same way, and the novelty will wear off for them eventually with Adley Rutschman if he starts going on a streak where he's 15 for his last 40, and the guy is is you know hitting the ball to the ballpark every few at bats. Yep. Then you're going to be excited. Oh. You're going to want to turn on the TV. Oh, th- and, I mean, and that again, that alone, right. Could make th- could light this city on fire, right. Even if the winds aren't coming with it, right. That alone, and that then the novelty's back. It's it's beyond a novelty. At yeah, that, that that's it really true. is. That's true. At, at that, if Adley Rutschman shows signs of yeah. being the guy people believe him to be, mm-hmm. all of a sudden this city will come to life. Yeah. Not, I'm not. I don't. Again, I'm not over. It's not thirty thousand people a night. It's interest. Mm-hmm. It's people will be talking about it. You'll look around and randomly you'll be like, "Wow, there's a Thursday night game against the Rays, and there's twenty three thousand people right, here." Right. That's it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but in comparison to what you would otherwise expect, which is a 12,000-person crowd in the summer, that would be insane. Sure. If Adley Rutschman alone starts performing at a rookie of the year type of level, at a level where you're seeing this is why this guy was the number one overall pick, this, guy was, this is the reason why the guy was thought of to be one of the best pro prospects in the draft in years. If you start seeing that, all of a sudden, this can become a baseball city. This yeah. can become a place where we are we're invested, invested, even if the team's not there yet, even if they still have an issue where they don't quite have enough in order to make it interesting all season long. Adley Rutschman alone can outweigh that. Right. Well, I think you look back at 2019 and what happened with Lamar Jackson, and I think it's a pretty good indicator of what might happen uh, the, if Adley Rutschman starts performing with, at the level with, Lamar with Jackson. With the flipping, obviously, they were able to get into the playoffs and they were able sure. to run. But if your point was, hey, if Lamar Jackson had done all of those things, I guess going back to 2018, mm-hmm. um, and they had just fallen short of the playoffs because they had dug themselves too deep of a hole, right? If, if in 2018, Lamar Jackson comes in as a starter and and has the run that he has yeah. and they go out and they beat the Chargers the same way but th- they get to the end of the year and it was just too little too late mm-hmm. right like they 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 lose the division anyway if that were to have been the case it would have changed nothing about the electricity and the excitement that surrounded the Ravens even though they didn't end up making the playoffs. No, there certainly is a divide here between the two topics. It's my my point right. is just that the ex- you you see how quickly Baltimore can fall in love with these athletes who are performing at a high level, and I think that you've seen it with Manny Machado. 
You've seen it with Matt Wieters in the past. You've seen it with guys who are, are high performers for the Orioles and that the fans are going to fall in love with them uh, if they start playing well. And I think there will be a lot of people who may not even know the name Rutschman right now. There are probably some fans out there who are so distant from the team and don't read a lot about it and don't really know or don't care. They're going to know Rutschman's name if he starts performing and starts going on a hot streak. And I think that's going to be mm-hmm. beneficial to the Orioles. I, That'll be beneficial to the city. It's going to be a good thing to I, see. I agree wholeheartedly. All right. Uh, when do you want to see Grayson? So you, I believe there's uh, the starting pitcher for Friday is to be determined at the moment. Well, I mean, they, um, they need they're in going Femway. they're going to need two additional pitchers. Yes. in Boston this weekend. I look. I he's 22 years old, and mm-hmm. I don't think that rushing guys is the move here. But if you look at Grayson, Paul and I talked about this on Saturday. If you look at his numbers across the minor leagues as a whole, there's really nothing left for Grayson to prove. He's never really. Uh, had a, a year where it's you know blown up and, and the numbers haven't been where you want them to be. The peripherals are good. The numbers are great across the board. And I think that what he's done and what he's proven at AAA this year proves to me that this guy is about as ready as he's going to be. So I, I don't want to debut him in Fenway. That's not, you know, I, I think the Orioles would definitely rather debut him at home. I mean, they, they you saw the crowd they they draw uh, they, they drew for Rutschman over the weekend. It wasn't great, but it was yeah. better than it probably would have well, been. Well, I mean... It- there's a lot there. I mean, I, look, I, I went and I wouldn't have gone if Rutschman wasn't I, there. I, and I understand that it's if if what it could have been, it I could think have is been the better. better argument than what it was. It could Fair. have been with some advance notice, mm-hmm. with it not being Preakness Day. With the, there are yeah. there are, that crowd could have been massive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You're right. It was a little bit bigger, and there was some walk up, and and you are definitely an example. There's no doubt. There are plenty yeah. of examples of some walk ups. But it was still 17,000 people. The point being, what they could have, if they have advance notice of Grayson Rodriguez making his first start, yeah. should be even bigger than that, despite the fact that Grayson Rodriguez is not as relevant as Adley Rutschman broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if you just say, hey, we've made the decision and he's starting on, on Friday, and you tell people on Tuesday, and you're going you're gonna to get a big crowd. You're going to get a you huge will. crowd. You will. Uh, um, or something like that. I, and by the way, and I've said all along, I this team isn't good enough for me to sacrifice business decisions for baseball decisions right mm-hmm. now. And that was one of my frustrations with the the Rutschman thing and you you're not going to get me to get over that. It's not I I when I say I'm not over it. I I don't care. I didn't that's not the reason I lost sleep last night, but we're never going to get to a place where it was okay. I'm certainly not upset about it. I don't think it's something worth getting worked up about. Be- because personally. it doesn't because it doesn't impact you. Right, sure. Like, but that's the problem. The problem is it impacted a lot of people. There were a lot of people that wanted to be there. There were a yeah. lot of people that and it's not just people that wanted that went to the Preakness. It's people that would have if I had had two days my buddy our buddy Josh Soroka would have flown up from Florida if he had any notice at all. Right. Any even remote notice to be able to be there. Yeah. It was it was a miss in that department from a business standpoint. Now it might prove to be a hit from a baseball standpoint. It might be that their mathematical formula that this was exactly the best way of going about doing it from a baseball standpoint will prove to be the case. I don't know. I, I have no idea that seems insane that the, the difference in one day would end up being the difference in somebody succeeding as a baseball player. Um, but from a business standpoint, it was a miss. And the team's not good enough right now for me to make those arguments. It's not so important that they win a game in Boston this weekend mm-hmm. that it's worth sacrificing Grayson Rodriguez's first start being at home. It's, uh, it's I don't disagree. I think it's more of the need of arms. No, I agree with that. And I I think there are arms. Somebody can start, yeah. right? Like you, there are other guys sure. that can pitch. Bo Salser can come in, give you a spot. Whatever sure. you gotta do, you can do that. 
if you were, as I've said a billion times, if you're in the throes of a playoff race, like with Manny Machado in 2012, not actually having to be at home, but yeah. if you're in the, if you're in the throes of a playoff race in August and somebody's got to start a game, mm. by all means, call up your top prospect to make his first start on the road. Do that because the games matter. They're important. Sacrifice business for baseball because the success of the baseball will create better business. When you're in May and the team's not that good, again, encouraging, but we can't oversell it, not that good on the whole, it ain't worth sacrificing that opportunity for your fans to have that moment in order to try to have a better shot at winning one in five baseball games you're going to play in Boston. I would also say, given the way the Red Sox have been swinging the bats of late, might not be the best thing to do to send Grayson Rodriguez out there for a road start at Fenway against one of the hottest offensive teams in baseball. Boy, it was a lot more fun when we could make fun of the Red Sox at the beginning of the year, and they were garbage. All of a sudden, Jesus Christ, everyone in their lineup is torrid at right, the moment. Right. It's nuts. I don't think that's a good idea either. Um, I feel, again, I would feel very differently about this if the team was good, sure. if you were in a playoff race, if the games were likely to matter. Prioritize winning when winning is what matters. The Orioles haven't been prioritizing winning at all. They've been prioritizing the process. And that's fine as long as the process pays off, right? Like, we all knew what we were getting into when this thing started. Well, some of us did anyway deviating from that now would make no sense if the plan if the plan was to let Grayson Rodriguez keep pitching just needing a pitcher for the weekend in Boston is not enough for me to say change the plan I think it's a bit more than just needing a spot starter though because you have Spencer Watkins who's now on the 15-day injured list and you have an open rotation spot at the moment so I, I do think it's a bit more than just saying okay you're coming up for Boston and that's basically it I think you're you're more taking over a rotation spot for good potentially I, 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 right potentially and I, I think what we're really saying is we don't think Spencer Watkins can really pitch as well as he had for his first couple of starts we no, think that that's no. going to need to be a spot that's going to be filled in, in, inevitably anyway but exactly but he's not on he's on the 15 day DL, right? Yes. He's not yes. or IL, whatever the hell it is now. <laughs> he's not on the 60 day, right? No. Like he's he's going to be back at some point. And yes, he can always be back and just pitch out of the bullpen. There's no doubt about it. But that also doesn't need to be this weekend. You can make that decision next week. This weekend does not need to be the priority. If you get yeah. to a point where you say inherently we don't think there's anything left for Grayson Rodriguez to do. Steve Johnson made a really good argument. We talked about this yesterday. Steve Johnson's argument was he's just never ramped up this many innings. That is very, it's, very... It's, we can talk relevant. about how dom much he's dominating AAA you know, hitters, but the innings amount is still something that we're not dealing with. He wasn't a college pitcher. He's never pitched more than roughly 100 innings in his career. And... To suddenly throw him into the rotation now mm -hmm. and expect him to ramp up those innings against major league hitters and to think that he's going to still be in the same position as the season goes on is wildly unfair. And as much as we're in a rush to see him and as much as we say, well, we think we can just give him a rotation spot, I don't know that that was ever necessarily the plan for the Orioles. I think that he was going to be here at some point this season. Mm -hmm. 
But I think that when he got here, it was always going to be likely that he was going to be here for a little while and then shut down. I think that the likelihood was always going to be that there was going to be a cap to the number of innings that he would pitch this season. And I don't know yet that they... I think there's still something to be tested for. Okay, once you're this deep into the year and you've been throwing more pitches, now we need to show... You need to see what it looks like. Then your arm's being tested a bit. So... I think there's a bunch of different reasons why it's nonsensical to to push Grayson Rodriguez into the rotation this weekend in Boston. I don't necessarily disagree. And I, I think that based on their need is why I, I said I, I think it would be smart for Grayson Rodriguez to make a, a debut this weekend. But I, I don't necessarily think it's... Um, uh, what's the word for it? I don't think it's entirely the thing they should do. I just think out of need, it's your best option. But you're right. They're, winning is not the priority right now. Development is the priority. And if you think that Grayson Rodriguez deserves another few weeks in Norfolk to to uh, further his development and get better as a pitcher and grow, and like you said, build up more innings and, and be better equipped to take on the workload he's going to have to at the major league level, um, then that makes sense, I guess, from the Orioles' standpoint. But I also think that you've hit a wall with Spencer Watkins where you're at. The guy's a 6 ERA this year, a 1.7 whip. The numbers are horrible across the board, and they don't show that he's going to get any better. So when you look at that and you say, okay, he's going to come off the 15-day injured list and go right back in your rotation and give you an even worse chance to win every time he comes out because hitters are going to keep watching film and get, you know, he just, I, he's going to get worse. I hear the things you're saying. I think the part that you're dismissing is the reality is Spencer Watkins is actually holding Matt Harvey's rotation spot. And I, I hope that's, that's not the truth. I think it's the part we don't like. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't but like I, it. I think it's the part that's reality, which is trying to figure out what Grayson Rodriguez is as a major leaguer. Because, again, I'm in agreement. I think Grayson Rodriguez is going to get to the major leagues at some point this season. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. But I, there's no way that he's going to pitch an entire season He's not going from 100 to 200 some innings in mm -hmm. one fell swoop. No. That's no. not happening. So what does that look like? By the way, it might be the argument for spot starting, right? It might be the argument for let him start here, then skip him through the rotation a couple of times. Just let him make spot starts. I, I don't know what exactly it looks like. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't have that answer, but it's not going to be he goes into the rotation, he pitches every fifth day out of the rest of the season. That's extraordinarily unlikely because it's just unlikely they're going to let him pitch that number of innings during the course of the right. baseball Right, and based on workload management, that is it's, very unlikely. It's just not the way yeah. the baseball teams do things. No. I don't know what the actual plan is, and the Orioles aren't going to come out and say that because, again, he's not at the major leagues yet. Sure. But all of these things go into the equation of why I'm not flummoxed about him being the guy that starts in Boston. I just mm -hmm. you can't get me to get worked up about him being the guy that starts in Boston. Nothing about it makes sense. No, and I, I certainly won't get worked up about it. I think that would be. I'm, a, not, I'm not saying you are a, a big big overreaction. Um, but I do think that you know he he definitely will get an opportunity here somewhat soon. I don't know when that will be, but maybe by the end of June, I would say that Grayson Rodriguez will make an appearance. Um, and maybe again, it might be just a need thing because the Orioles do have a need for arms. And you know, based on the fact that 2020 was a shortened season and the minor leagues have been screwed up for the past few years and there haven't been as many guys uh, to pitch, and the teams have been searching for arms over and over, I almost can guarantee you that at the end of this year there will be 
a a need for arms at the major league level for the Orioles, just I, based on injuries and well, guys getting and shut down. If, if they can find someone who's willing to take on Jordan Lyles at the trade deadline, that's right? a great point. Like, there's there absolutely are things that could end up being a part of this conversation. And to be fair, there are other options at AAA. You have guys like right. I mean, you could bring up theoretically DL Hall, but again, you, workload management is a huge issue there. How many innings has DL Hall pitched? I know, obviously, injuries. so far not many. In, I mean, I mean, going back, like, what's the the biggest so, number of innings that he's? Pitched? I don't believe he's ever thrown more than a hundred. Yeah. But I could be wrong. I mean, you're in basically the same situation that you're in with Grayson Rodriguez at that point. Uh, right, more or less, right. And, and and for Grayson Rodriguez, it's been a different situation considering that... Um, or for D.L. Hall, it's been a different situation considering he's been injured often. D.L. Hall, I'm trying to pull up his career numbers right now. Apologies. I'm, I don't know why it is that I'm getting something else. Uh, D.L. Hall, baseball reference. D.L. Hall... Um, I'm looking at, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not even, not even a hundred. I've got, uh, 94 in 2018 as being the most innings he's ever thrown in his career. 94 is the biggest number. So you got the same problem with sure. D.L. Hall, right? Sure. Like, how are you, you, you got to get there. Because I do think you got to start thinking about these guys being a part of your rotation next season. Like, there's no doubt. You have to start thinking about these guys being in the rotation as early as next year. So how right. are you getting there? What is the number that you're trying to get to? And to your point, it might be a bit easier for D.L. Hall because he started, you know, he missed a few starts. and you, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have the correct answer. Believe it or not, that might as well be the subtitle of, of the Glenn Clark Radio. Glenn Clark Radio, I don't have the right answer. I don't know, but it is a factor with all these guys. All right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4, available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Um, sorry, Chelsea Jane's running a little bit behind. We're going to get to her at 10.50. We're going to move a couple things around in order to make the morning work. That's who we're going to chat with in a minute. I have no idea who just called us. I'll be perfectly mm. honest with you. I did not mm. under I did not hear what they said. They were very quiet on the other side of the phone. So maybe they'll call back. We'll mm. see. I, I thought it might be Jane's, but it was a man. So I'm assuming probably not. I'm assuming probably it, not. I'm assuming it wasn't. Probably not. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know who that was. I don't have the answers either. I don't have. The, <laughs> I, I keep trying to say this. You don't have like the answers. Radio. I don't have the answers. But I do believe that Chelsea James is going to join us in a few minutes. We're going to talk more about Adley Rutschman and the trajectory of the Orioles. She wrote about it for the Washington Post recently. We will discuss that next. It is a Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com that first sip 
That first bite. Mmm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Answering Baltimore's calls for help, running in when others run away, working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people, people like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. On a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of GCR. The scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Want you to respond to these Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios. Tepid response so far. I actually thought today's were pretty good. Uh, we'll uh, share them again here in a second, but go and uh, get your responses in. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the program. You know, actually, I'll go ahead and tell you the three, and you can think about them before we discuss them. Number one, would you rather, I don't know if you've heard, but the NFL is uh, apparently finally deciding that it might be time to put the Pro Bowl to death. They are finally at the point where it just might be over. It's about time. My question, would you rather they simply go ahead and do it and then move the skills competition into the Sunday TV slot that would be the Pro Bowl and make it the featured event of the week? Or they keep everything and they make the Pro Bowl more exciting by replacing anyone who doesn't want to participate. Instead of by going to whoever the guy is that's available, they replace them with a retired player that would be come backing, coming back and interested in actually trying to compete. So maybe like a Calvin Johnson or a Randy Moss or somebody like that. All right? I know it sounds crazy. I'm not telling you that's something they're actually considering. It's called Would You Rather Wednesday. We're having fun. Trying to come up with ideas. That's what it's all about. Number two, would you rather you have an overdue fine of some sort 
that causes you to have to do a week's worth of community service? Would you rather that week's community service be a week, first week of summer, in the heat, fixing roads, or spend a week, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the story or not, Zach. I am not. Spend a week. I'm going to read this article right now. Answering questions from confused people on the internet for 12 hours a day about Seth Green and his stolen NFT ape. Which, when you read the story, I'm telling you, your head is going to hurt. It sounds like something I really wouldn't care about. Oh, it's not just that you wouldn't care about it. It's dystopian. (laughs) All right, I'm going to need to work on this. It genuinely makes you wonder about America. And the world. Oh, so this, this man got robbed of his basically fake collection of and, things that don't actually and, exist. And apparently, maybe, the person that did it, like, it's just the way this works. You can just do that. And it's more <laughs> complicated. He was making a TV show based around the character that was the stolen NFT. So now he can't make his TV show because he no longer currently owns the rights to the thing that was stolen from him. But it, but it wasn't. A, there's nothing wrong with it, right? You can steal them. That's uh, the way it works. It's bat s insane. Everything about this is insanity, and reading the story will make your brain. We'll leave your brain begging for help. So there's some kind of ransom situation going on here. He said, I'm, I'm happy to chat to Seth directly. The individual claiming to now own the bored ape told BuzzFeed News on Twitter. So it's like a, a I, ransom I, situation. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's well, the thing. You've got to figure it out, and you have to spend a week explaining wow. it to other people. So think about that. Again, a week in the heat, fixing roads, first week of summer, or a week of explaining Seth Green and his <laughs> ape to confuse people on the interwebs. One or the other, that's your community service for the week. And finally, number three, would you rather you have to bet everything you have, and you get the same odds either way, but you have to bet everything you have, your clothes, your house, your money, your car. Oh, like you did last night on Adley Rutschman. Yeah, right. Adley Rutschman hanging out. <laughs> and he didn't. Um, you have to do that on this year's Ravens winning multiple playoff games or on next year's Orioles winning multiple playoff games. Think about it. Get your responses in. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Those are the three scenarios for Would You Rather Wednesday brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good, bpdrecruit.org. Going to talk some baseball here in a second with Chelsea Janes from the Washington Post. The Orioles will indeed wrap up their series with the Yankees tonight before they head to Boston to play five games in four days against the Red Sox, who are suddenly ripping the cover off the ball. Uh, It was, of course, on Saturday night, uh, quite an evening in Baltimore. And while maybe a little bit more heads up would have brought out more of the national media, there were certainly plenty of national baseball writers who wanted to be there and see it and write about it. And among them, from the Washington Post, she is 
MLB writer Chelsea Janes, and she's with us now here on GCR. Chelsea, it's Glenn and Zach in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, thank you for having me. What was, just going into Saturday night, right, what was your kind of interest level, expectation level? How, how do you approach something where, hey, this is an exciting baseball player, but it's still like one baseball player, and we've been wrong about a lot of these guys over the years? Yeah, you know, I think for me, like, I haven't been in Baltimore every day for the last few years, but I've been enough to know that it just hasn't been a, a very exciting place lately. I mean, baseball-wise, and, and people there, you know, they have great fans, but there's just not been a lot there. And for mm-hmm. me, just kind of the whole spectacle and the excitement that that he brought, I mean, whatever happens with him, you know, to me, just the idea that they think, okay, we're on the right track again after so many years was, was palpable. It was great to see. I mean, that place was, was loud. It was excited. And, um, yeah, he might not be anything. I think he will be. He looks, you know, ready to, to be at this level. But, yeah, just the idea of Baltimore baseball sort of being back on track, I think, you know, you could tell how much the fans wanted it, and it was just really nice to see people kind of excited again. Chelsea, it's, it's some of the words that you've used there are similar words that I've talked about. I, I don't, I don't want to oversell. I don't think suddenly the Orioles are ready to compete right now. I don't think that suddenly they're very interesting broadly to a national audience. But in this market where this is your option and this is who you're rooting for, it, it's just led like to, I think, a general level of more interest, and they're a bit more compelling. And it's not just Adley Rutschman, because I do think that they've performed probably a bit better than maybe people expected them, even though their, their record does not show them being extraordinarily competitive at the moment. It's just, it seems like, and, and as, as I dumb it down, it seems like there's more of a there there at the moment with the Baltimore Orioles. For sure. And, and one of the things that's interesting um, is I don't think anyone expects it to, to turn right away. You know, I think that was part right. of what made the Adley Rutschman celebration sort of comfortable was it wasn't, you know, they lost, what was it, six to one? It wasn't, it wasn't like, okay, here's the moment where everything changes. It was like, okay, all right, we see progress. And, you know, I, I'll give Michael Elias credit. And, you know, they've been very steady in their message, which is like, this is going to take a while. And so, you know, seeing the fruits of that, sort of materialized bit by bit, it, it's believable. You know, you, you look at it, you're like, I see why I would actually believe in this team a few years down the road if a few more prospects pan out, if they can go spend a little money. And and another thing that stood out to me this year is, is they're just better. I mean, they're just a better team mm-hmm. all around. Their bullpen's really good. They're more competitive. I mean, you lose an extra inning game to the Yankees last night, but you're in it. You know, every, you know, they're, they're giving people fits. And I think it's, it's uh, there's just signs of progress that, yeah, maybe two years from now is, is when you really see it all come together, but like it's actually moving. And I think for years it, it wasn't moving. She is Chelsea James from the Washington Post. She's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Chelsea, is there danger in expectations being too high for Adley Rutschman? Like is there is there at all danger in I'll make I've made the comparison a lot to Matt Weeders in recent weeks, right? Matt Weeders was a quality baseball player and had a hell of a career. Um, by any standard that you could measure him by, except for the standard of in Baltimore, he was discussed as though he was going to be Joe Maurer with power and Jesus in cleats. And when you use the name Matt Weeders in Baltimore, there will be Orioles fans who will inevitably use the word bust, despite the fact that, again, Matt Weeders had a solid Major League Baseball career. Mm -hmm. Is there any danger that the expectations are too high for Adley Rutschman and what he's capable of doing? 
you know, someone asked Brandon Hyde, like, can he actually meet these expectations? You know, and he said, I hope so. Like, I hope that he's not someone like a Bryce Harper, for example, where it feels like no matter what he does, he can't be good enough. You know, he was always supposed to be better somehow. And I don't necessarily think that's true with Rutschman. I think something that stands out just talking to people about him is the defense, right? Like, Mm -hmm. people think he's a really good defender. You can see him when he moves behind a plate. He's very nimble. He's always thinking. Like, he's he's a presence back there. And it's not that Matt Wieters wasn't, but I I think he's a better defender. I think, you know, his at-bats have been really competitive. You know, he's, he's been in sort of every... At bat, he's not getting blown away. It just—I think that you can expect him to be really, really steady, and that, you know, if that's not enough because he's not, you know, maybe your main run producer all the time. I don't know, you know, maybe he is in some ways a disappointment, but I think like you have to address expectations for catchers. I think you want him behind the plate. You know, maybe if the offense comes first, you're you're more tempted to move him out from there. I think they need to keep him there. Like he's—he's a franchise catcher. in a league that can't find those anymore. And it's not because they can't find guys that can hit that they can throw behind the plate. It's because they can't find guys that can change the game from behind the plate. And I think everyone sort of agrees that he's one of those people. I think it's complicated, Chelsea, by the Orioles being in the AL East, right? And knowing that the path to breaking through in this hellish division is it has got to involve multiple guys really hitting at like the highest level. This is a franchise that needs superstars. They need to find you know, a, a Mookie Betts, they need to find, you know, a, a just just Grayson Rodriguez panning out to be a pitcher probably isn't good enough. He's really got to be a true top-of-the-rotation type of pitcher in order to do it. And I, I, I guess I'm worried that as, as much as we think there's a there there, that the distance between being better than what the Orioles have been, which is, you know, a very low bar, and being able to compete in a hellish division might still be you know, further apart than people necessarily want to admit within our city. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think if you expect the Baltimore Orioles to sort of be traditionally good, led by traditional-looking stars, you're probably going to be disappointed. I think what they're building is, A, I think, I think you have to sort of assume that, that what Michael Elias is trying to build in the minors, and from what we've heard, you know, the optimistic read is that it's not built just to get them back, it's built to keep them there. And I think... You know, if the pipeline is what they say it is, if the development has come as far as it is, then I think you expect the Orioles to continue to be able to mold talent. Um, so that's that's part of it, right? Like, but I think another part is is you know the Rays have shown you how to compete in a division where you're not going to be outspending, you know, the Yankees and the Blue mm-hmm. Jays. And the way to do that is to shuffle a lot of guys in and out. Oh, that's to, that's tough, to right? Keep that motion going, and yeah. and so yeah, maybe one pitcher doesn't pan out, but you find a few openers, you just kind of throw a bunch of pitchers at the wall and. And that's sort of what they've done and, and hope they stick. And I think, you know, I don't know that they're going to be sort of the classic roster. I think they might have to be one of these kind of new age teams, but that doesn't mean they won't win. It just might not kind of look how you envision it to look. Uh, Chelsea, I understand exactly what you're saying. I just, I think it's tough because when you invoke the Rays, there's, there's a fan base that says, well, is, does that mean that you're going to trade Adley Rutschman next year? Does that mean that you're going to, you know, like, is, is that what you're constantly going to be doing? Um, are we going to start embracing someone and trying to buy a jersey only to then know that they're going to be gone a year later, right? And it might be, it might very well be that it's the only way to do it, but it's mm-hmm. boy, it's a tough sell for a fan base that wants to fall in love with baseball players and believe that you know they they can be generational guys they can watch for a decade to come. 
Totally. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I do think that, like, in a perfect world where the Orioles start winning, you know, there is money to be spent. You know, I talked to Mike Elias earlier this year, and he's like, until we are winning, we will not have money to spend. But if we are winning, maybe we do. And so I don't necessarily hmm. know that, you know, invoking the Rays means you're not going to sign Adley Rushman or you're going to kind of let all these young stars go. I think what it what it probably means is you may not have sort of the transcendent $300 million superstar. You may just kind of be building platoon pieces here and there. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what their model looks like. I don't necessarily think they can, can mimic the raise entirely. And I think ultimately they'll have a little more financial flexibility, but who knows where their ownership situation will be in a few years. You know, there's just kind of a lot at play there, but um, it's going to be interesting. I, I think, you know, you might see sort of a unique approach from them because um, they have to get creative in that division. Do you have a feel for Brandon Hyde's future as part of this? I know that we know that he's under contract beyond this season, but of course we also know how like contracts work and you can fire a manager even, and typically you do, you don't, you know, put managers back out there in lame duck seasons. Do you have any feel at all for like Brandon Hyde's role in this and whether, you know, he's, he's being monitored. Like if they, they do continue to be a bit more competitive than was expected, perhaps that's enough that you continue to give him a shot to keep working with these guys moving forward. That's a great question. I think, you know, in talking to people sort of second and third hand, you know, one of the things that has come up is, Oh, you know, Brandon Hyde's going to get him through the tough part, and then you bring in an experienced manager to, to take him the next step, right? That's sort of the mm-hmm. assumption is, you know, he's sort of a placeholder. And, and I don't know if that's true. I, you know, I know, you know, he's, he's got the right demeanor for where they are right now. You know, there don't seem to be many issues with him. Um, so, you know, I don't think he's giving them any reason to think he can't do it. But, you know, we know I, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, I don't know if the partnership he's built with the front office leads the front office to say, look, if, if we're going to be really involved here, as you would expect a Michael Elias front office to be, you know, with lineups, with, with the data, then maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need Brandon Hyde as somebody who you know who's not going to try to sort of, like, overthink things and, and take all the power, who's going to kind of let you do it your way. Um, maybe it's not. But I, I'm, I think it's a really fair question as to sort of what his role is moving forward. Is he the guy that shepherds this team into you know, the playoffs, or is, or do you kind of say, okay, you've, you've served your purpose, right. let's get someone in here who's done it before. Well, and, and he certainly knows from his time in Chicago. Like, he knows about the Rick Renterias of the world, right? Like, he's, yep. he's watched this before, and, and he and I have talked openly about it, and he understands. He took the job anyway. He said, hey, man, I know, yep. I know, but I, I want to be a manager in baseball. That's yep. the way that it works. Um, uh, Chelsea James, just another minute or two here on GCR. Chelsea, you know, speaking to what you just said a minute ago about Michael Elias and the process, I'm assuming that you wouldn't think that the Orioles would be in a rush. A lot of people are talking about the fact that they got to play five games in four days in Boston this weekend, and Spencer Watkins had to go on the DL, and so there's this thought from some people that, well, hey, now's the time. You call up Grayson Rodriguez this weekend, and you go ahead and do it. I'm guessing based on that conversation that you brought, just referred to with Mike Elias, you wouldn't think that they would be in a rush to do something like that. Certainly not in a rush. And and thing that stood out about the Rutschman deal or call-up, which you kind of referenced, is like if they had really wanted to do that in a sort of slam-bang way, they would have done it at a different time, right? They could have given people more notice, they, yep. you know, whatever it was. So it wasn't really about anything other than his health and not making him debut at Yankee Stadium. It seems like a very, you know, player-centric view. And I would imagine that if they think that, you know, it's the right time next weekend, if they need a starter, you know, then they'll do it. But if they don't, they won't, which sounds really simplistic. But, like, that is a discipline that I think exists there. Um, so, if, you know, if, if 
if the call up is made, they will feel like he's ready. I don't think they're going to put anybody in a position just to kind of rush that along. I've seen, you know, I covered the Nats for a long time, and mm-hmm. I think there were times where they rushed people, where they said, you know, we need someone, let's get the big name in there, and, and you don't get that sense from the Orioles at all. I think they're they're they've been patient, and they're going to keep being patient. <laughs> they're not going to deviate from the path, if you will, right? Like, yeah. This is not the way that it's going to go. Um, yeah. Well, Chelsea James, so I know I know you wrote about the uh, the Tim Anderson situation. What else is kind of on your radar right now? What can we plug for you, maybe that's coming up that you're going to have the Washington Post? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, nothing too specific. Just kind of bopping around and um, you know, kind of trying to trying to get a sense of where everything is, what the next big trend is. I think we'll be writing a lot about women in baseball over the next couple months because okay. there's actually some of them now. But yeah. Um, yeah. But other than that, yeah, it's it's you know just the kind of usual. It's, uh, it's at Chelsea underscore Janes on Twitter is how you follow her. Chelsea Janes, greatly appreciate you taking the time for us this morning. We'd love to do it again this season. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Chelsea Janes in the Washington Post checking in with us here on GCR after she was there on Saturday night uh, for the uh, debut of Adley Rutschman at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. We continue the 11 a.m. hour. Go ahead and see if, um, if either one of them are still there. I think that uh, Buck was trying to call in as we were wrapping up with Chelsea Jans. I don't know if, Chelsea, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Zach's doing his best helping us out this morning. I appreciate it. Um, did we ever hit drop on the call? We should probably make sure that we hit drop and make sure the line's clear. And then I tell you what, if you want, you can also call Buck because I do think he was trying to call in. That's his number if you want. All right. Hi, Glenn Clark here. <laughs> Today's show also brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And they're open 24-7. So whatever it is that you're betting on, if you wanted to get a bet in on John Isner this morning in the French Open, which would have paid off for you, you can do that at 5 a.m. when French Open coverage begins. You can do that in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And there are plenty of huge events. It's not just the French Open that's going on, obviously, this weekend, the Indianapolis 500, the Javante Davis-Rolando Romero fight, the UEFA Champions League final. Reserve your spot. And, for example, fight night on Saturday night, they're expecting a huge crowd. So if you want a table for you and your friends, if you want to guarantee some uh, reclining seats in the FanDuel Sportsbook, make sure you email events at sportssocialmd.com. Now, make our weekly trip to Norfolk to chat with someone from the Tides. And normally we chat with a player, but after we saw the video on Saturday morning, I knew we needed to catch up. It's been a little bit too long since our last chat with the manager of the Norfolk Tides. He is Mr. Buck Britton, and he's with us now here on GCR. Buck, it's Glenn and Zach in Baltimore. It's good to chat as always, sir. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to catch up. I, all right, you know I got a lot I want to talk about with you, but of course we have to start with it. Tell me about how this goes. Like, when do you know that you get to deliver this news to Adley Rutschman? And like, what's the process to creating something like this to make sure it's on video? The guys know. What does this look like on a Friday night? Yeah, so um, it started with Mike Elias sending me a text message not to play Adley. So. Um, we knew that his call-up was close. We didn't know exactly when, but I, I kind of felt like, all right, this is the moment. He's telling me not to play him. We um, we go through our game. At the end of the game, Mike's Mike's got a text message waiting for me, like, hey, we're going to do this after the Oriole game. And if you remember, that game took 14 innings. Right. <laughs> so 
So my job was to keep Adley Rutschman at the ballpark an hour and a half after the game for the Oriole game to finish without tipping him off. I mean, uh, okay, but hang, he's got to be suspect, right? Like, you know, the only the only saving grace is I kind of set it up uh, during the game because I anticipated this. I told him, "Hey, you're not playing today. You caught three games in a row. Like, let's just make sure we we take care of you here. I don't want to burn you out." Uh, so take a day today, but be ready to come off the bench if we need a big hit. So I, I kind of set it up like that during the game in anticipation that this moment was coming. Oh, man. Oh, so, all right, so you get in there. Did, did you sense that he knew? Like, that's the thing that I can't quite read in the video, right? Because I feel like yeah. knowing who he is, if you get called into the room, you got to at least be thinking that's what's going on, right? Like, did you what, what sense did you have as it was unfolding? Yeah, so I, I thought for sure that he might have might have a clue, but luckily Nick Vespi came into that game and threw the last two innings. So we had a bunch of people there, you know, watching Vespi pitch, and Adley was one of them. So I kind of felt like, all right, I got, I still got a chance to pull this off. I had my strength coach run in, like run into him, make a collision in the locker room as he was walking out, and go, "Oh man, you're still here." Buck was wanting to talk to you. It's pretty I want to pop in there just to see if that's pretty good. He wants to talk to you tonight. Um, and then that's how the video starts. I don't know if you saw that towel around my neck. That was because I was sweating um, <laughs> for the buildup. Because you, you get one time to call Adley Rutschman up for the first time. Uh, and it was a lot of nerves going on. What does it mean to you, Buck? I mean, like, look, you know, you, you have done so many things in this game as a player and now as a skipper. And, of course, we know your family has accomplished so many things in this game. But, like, what does this mean to you that you will kind of always be tied to this moment? Like, this video will always exist. And if Adley Rutschman is the player a lot of us think he is, like, you got to be that guy that gave him the news. What does that mean? I know you got to go out and play another baseball game the next day, but, like, big picture, what does that mean to you? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, really, it's uh, for, for a coach, it's, it's kind of a dream to send anybody to the big leagues, um, let alone a guy who... Um, Number one is a human being like Adley Rutschman is, but the type of player he is and the expectations um, to be tied to him is incredible. I know that you know I've had conversations with him the last couple of days. It's something that we'll both remember forever. Um, you know, I joke around and hopefully when that bronze statue is getting put out in front of the in front of the uh, Camden Yards, I'll be there uh, with that towel around my neck uh, to help him celebrate it. But, uh, no, wait, wait, wait. I mean, wait. Let's clarify. You you kept the towel, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, of you course, got, there, you there got might have been some some sweat uh, some sweat swap there that I'm going to hold on to. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, like you know, I, I remember the day my brother got called up. I was fortunate enough to be in Florida at the time because he didn't make the team out of spring training, and then he ended up pitching the fourth game of the season. So I know how special that moment was for him. Um, so I kind of had an idea of what that meant to Adley, and it, you know, it was, it was super special for me as well. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Buck Britton is with us as we make our trip down to Norfolk to chat with the Tides. If you are headed down that way, maybe to Virginia Beach this weekend, I would definitely encourage you to squeeze in a stopover to see the Norfolk Tides. They are home this week and next, and includes uh, MLB Network koozie giveaway on Saturday night. You can find out more by going to NorfolkTides.com and get your tickets for these coming weeks. But before we move on to the guys that are still there, just just give me, Buck, what, what is the best thing that you've learned in all the time that you've been around Adley, all the conversations with him? What's the thing that maybe somehow you still don't know if people fully understand about him as a player, as a person, whatever it is? Yeah, I, I think, number one, how hard of a worker this guy is. 
um, you know, after he got called up, conversations were how you know how are we going to manage this guy's workload in the big leagues? Because I mean, this guy this guy works extremely hard. He's first one in the cage um, every day doing his catching stuff. I mean, it's every day nonstop for this guy. Uh, but also like the genuine love he has for his teammates. You, you see him when pitchers record the final out of an inning and he's running yeah. to the mound. Yeah. You know, like it's not, it's not fake. It's just, he's done that every time he's caught and it's just Adley. He, he loves his teammates. He wants everybody else to succeed around him and he loves having fun on the field. I mean, he's always smiling as you guys get to see. And then in those big moments, man, he, he locks down and bears down and you see the elite talent. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible, and we can't wait. Uh, the, the idea, hopefully, we're going to see about 15 years of it uh, here in Baltimore, Buck Britain. That's what we're rooting for. Um, all right, let's talk about some of the guys that are still there and people that, that fans can get down to see. And I'm, I'm going to lead the conversation off, of course, with Grayson. And, and let me ask it this way: we all know, we all see how dominant he's been um, and how awesome he's been against this AAA level. But you know, it was I was reminded this week that he's also never pitched more than a hundred innings in his professional career, right? And he wasn't a college pitcher. H- how do you guys handle like the he's he's just firing away? He's been so good, but you know, it's probably a bit of a reach to think that he can do this every fifth day for an entire season, or that that's a good way to go about progressing. What are those conversations like, and how do you measure the fact that my God, you just want to bottle up what it is that he's doing right now? Yeah, no, he's been he's been doing a really nice job. You know, I think there's still things that go on uh, during the game that he has to navigate through, whether it's um, you know an eight pitch at bat where he doesn't necessarily have something um, that's going to get the guy out of the plate. How does he navigate? How does he stay engaged in that at bat? Not give away at that at bat and end up walking a guy. Um, he's he's had opportunities to pitch around traffic, but when you see him locked in, the, the stuff is elite. It doesn't matter who's up there. It's swing and miss stuff. It's just how do we stay consistent with that? Because we know that even these best hitters in the minor leagues are going to go up to the big leagues and hit hit seventh. Unless you're Adley, you're going to hit sixth, right? Like these aren't the the best of the best. So how do we continue to stay focused on pounding the strike zone down here um, and not giving away those free passes or taking a pitch off? Um, and then obviously the buildup for the guy. I mean, it's, I think he's getting to the point now where he's going to be able to throw seven innings. So I'll be excited to see him kind of navigate the lineup possibly a third time around. Um, so there's still a lot of little things that he's working on. But he's, I mean, that's it's incredible competitor, incredible stuff. Uh, do you feel like, you know, it, it, do, you, do you have to at some point, is there a con- do you have to skip him at some point through, like, the rotation? Do you have to try to limit the innings? Or is it just, hey, let's go, we'll deal with that later? I think I think the organization has done a really nice job of building out a plan for him. I mean, he hasn't thrown more than what, six innings this year. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a slow buildup at the beginning, was thrown four, then five, and now six. So I think they've they got a plan mapped out to keep this guy going, I think, uh, over the course of the full season. Um, I don't know what that looks like at the back half. I mean, I think the expectation is that he's pitching, you know, higher stress innings in the big leagues. So, um, but the organization has a, has a plan for that, and we kind of just abide by the, the guidelines that we're given. Um, we're talking with Buck Britton, manager of the Norfolk Tides here on Glenn Clark Radio. Uh, Buck, I'll come back to pitching in a second. I want to talk about uh, Bobby Newstrom, right? Like, what, what, what is this dude eating? And do, how do you have everybody else eat the exact same thing so that they can muscle the ball the way that he does? Yeah, Noose has done a great job. Um, Kyle made a swing change last year in Bowie. Um, when, if you looked at the scoreboard, you wouldn't think that a swing change was needed, but he realized that, you know, his ground ball rates were sky high. 
Um, and needed to get the ball in the air. So he made a swing change with Ryan Fuller, and he's kind of just taken off since then. Um, strong kid, uh, doing a much better job um, being able to slug against left-handed pitching. Um, but this guy is another guy that I, I, I think there was a lot of common personality traits amongst these players, and Adley was kind of the, the leader of that, where these guys work extremely hard, man, and they, they take what they're doing super serious. Um and they're getting results on the field. And Newstrom, Newstrom's been Newstrom's been awesome for us. What happened? Can, can you explain the Kyle Stowers story, right? Because you know, I feel like it was only about a week ago that we we're like, well, you know, maybe it doesn't look so great for Kyle. He hasn't been hitting the ball. So all of a sudden, he's hitting everything. Can you can you explain to us kind of what happened over the course of the? the is it just as simple as hey, this is baseball, and sometimes guys just have a couple of weeks that don't go their way? And I, I think that's, that has a little bit to do with it, but I also think that the hitting coach down here, Tim Gibbons, has done a really nice job of staying with the process for Kyle Stowers. We all know there's some swing and miss at the top of the strike zone. Um, they've been attacking that in the batting cage. Stowers has been showing up every day to, to work on not only keep his strengths of strengths, but really attack his weaknesses. And I, I think you're starting to see that work that he was putting in. It wasn't going to show up overnight, but he continues to grind at it. And it's starting to show up, and um, he's starting to have a little more success in those areas that he struggled, um, but maintaining his um, his ability to to square up the baseball. And when you leave this pitch down in the zone of this kid, I mean, he's it is loud contact, and it goes a long ways. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been clear. It seems like he's been hitting a home run every time up of late. Um, let me go back to the pitching. I, I know the last start was not great for DL. Um, mm-hmm. What 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 happened in that start, and you know, what are the priorities for him is obviously we, we all know the talent is there. Um, we just haven't, unlike Grayson, we haven't seen it go, you know, he hasn't pitched the same number of innings. And, you know, there has been a little bit of, in his traje- trajectory to this point, both injury issues and, you know, sometimes erratic control. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for DL. I mean, the stuff is electric. Um, but you got to pound the strike zone. And as you, as you climb through the minor leagues, the hitters get better, have a better understanding of the strike zone. Um, and, I, and I think it's just a matter of trusting your stuff working through the zone. You know, um, Whether you give up a home run, whether you give up a double, just continuing to believe that your stuff is elite and attacking hitters. You know, we, we fall behind 2-0, 3-1. These hitters aren't afraid of 100 miles an hour if they know it's going to be over the middle of the plate they're going to get barrel on it. So it's pounding the strike zone, getting strike one, and then letting the elite stuff finish hitters off. And this is another guy, when, and, I, and I think he's close. Um, he just got to us. He's made right. three starts, I believe. Um, you see the confidence beginning to, to, uh, to rise up a little bit. So I'm, I'm really excited to see him his next couple times out. But the fastball's been electric, 100 miles an hour. Uh, this, the slider, he's working on getting a little more uh, sweep to it. So it, he's... I think he's in a good place. We just got to get him attacking the zone at all times. Buck, you know probably as well as anyone about you know how this has changed with the Orioles and how development. I mean, you you've been at multiple levels. You are certainly very tied to this system. Is there a guy that you would say this is the guy that I think is the story of of the Orioles and the way we've changed the development system here? And when you see this guy and where he is at this point, you can get a sense for what the Orioles development system is now is there someone that jumps out most to you um I honestly like you know Stowers for me has been really good but I think we touched on this guy Newstrom especially offensively 
Um, this was a guy that, that didn't, I mean, if you look at his, when he first got drafted, um, how he took his ABs and what his swing looked like, it's a completely different man. Um, and just over this, really a full year now, I think the swing change came about this time last year in Bowie, um, and you're starting to see a lot of success. Now, there's a lot of God-given ability with Newstrom as well. I mean, this is a strong kid, um, and all he needed to do was learn to lift the ball in the air. But I, I think with all the technology and all the data we're giving and how we're siphoning that stuff to the players and trying to develop plans for, for that individual player, you're starting to see guys kind of take off. And for me, I think Newstrom is kind of embodies that right now. Um, but you're also seeing Stowers make adjustments. Uh, I mean, you're, you're going to see him a completely different hitter, I think, uh, when he's when he's in the big leagues and he, and he is now with his ability to cover more pitches in the strike zone. We can't wait. We can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Imagine you would say, "Hey, we can wait. We can wait a yeah, little." Right. Yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah. obviously, up here, we can't wait at all. Uh, again, Norfolk Tide's home this week and next week. V- great opportunity for you over the holiday to get down, see the tides, uh, see some of these pitchers that we are raving about in person, and uh, go get to the beach while you're down there. It would be a great, great way to spend your time. Get your tickets, NorfolkTides.com. Buck Britton, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Greatly appreciate taking some time for us this morning. This is, it was a really cool thing to see and a special moment that you got to share with Adley Rutschman. And, you know, uh, maybe one day that, that towel will be worth like a billion dollars and, and you can fund uh, your great, 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 great grandkids' um, college by, by, by putting it up on eBay or something like that. <laughs> Thank you for doing this this morning, my friend. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Buck Britton, manager of the Norfolk Tides, joining us here on GCR. That was, it was outstanding. The video, outstanding. Again, would have liked the heads up. Would have been nice for it not to be Preakness Day. A lot of things that I can't change now. There's nothing we can do about it. Just move on and enjoy Adley Rutschman. That was a bummer, but the video was very cool, and uh, it certainly hit you in the feels, and they did a great job with that. You all right? Mike was moving around a little bit, and it's a little, <laughs> little holder there, so struggling there make, it, <laughs> make it a little too much noise. All right, appreciate Buck Britton hopping on with us this morning. I mentioned it earlier, um, Stan the Fan, gamer, was able to get it in last night. He and Gary Stein caught up with Don Zimmerman, the legendary former Johns Hopkins and UMBC lacrosse coach who's been working uh, the NCAA tournament for ESPN. They previewed the Final Four. Can Maryland finish the job? They came a game short a year ago, losing in the title game, and they're trying to do something that very few teams do. It's just a, kind of a weird anomaly. Historically, at least over the last 10 years, the teams that play in the second semifinal on Saturday don't win the national championship. In fact, the only team to have done it was Maryland five years ago. So it's tough. It's very difficult to do. Don Zimmerman caught up with the Stan the Fan and Gary Stein and chatted about that last night. If you missed it, facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab. Go to uh, pressboxonline.com slash video or youtube.com slash pressboxonline. When we come back in, our buddy Drew Forrester, drewsmorningdish.com and 105.7 The Fan. He'll join us next. Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling.com. 
wrestlinghelp.org. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have you Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Answering Baltimore's calls for help. Running in when others run away. Working together toward one shared vision for a thriving city. That's your Baltimore police. But the department needs more good people. People like you. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good at bpdrecruit.org. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman, diving into where his passion for baseball and for catching comes from and how he uses that passion to elevate those around him in the Orioles organization. Also inside, Bo Smolka takes a look at how the Ravens' 2021 draft picks can make progress in year two, and Glenn Clark offers a very unique tribute to former rival Mike Krzyzewski that all Maryland fans can appreciate. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations including 60 royal farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the orioles ravens and terps at pressboxonline.com to follow the show on instagram it's just glenn clark radio and to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait i don't think you're supposed to know about that one any hoodle take it away boys would you rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio brought to you by Glory Days Grill? We will dive into that here in just a couple of minutes. Get your responses in. I have been um, surprised, just surprised that these didn't get a little more traction this morning and nobody's been all that fired up about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right. It is a Wednesday. Every Wednesday we catch up with our friend Drew Forrester, DrewsMorningDish.com, Fairways and Greens on 105.7 The Fan. He is with us now here on GCR. What's, go- what's going on, buddy? Come on in. Come on, boy. What, what? Hello? What? What are you doing over there? Who? You talking to me? Yeah, you. What are we talking on. about? I brought him in a little... My hot. dog. What, what's, okay, what's going on with your dog? What's the problem? I'm walking. Shane Battier and I are outside. Come here. You, you named your dog Shane Battier. <laughs> I see. Come here, Shane. I see. That's, that sounds like something you would do, by the way. That sounds like the type of thing that you would do. Is that is that what you prepared for today? You that was that was when you spent your time working on. It's a throwback game. Uh, Jesus. Come on. All right, Knox. What do you have going sit down. on? I got to do a radio show here, Knox. Sit down. Knox. All right. Knox. What's that? What? What? Why huh? Knox? That was the the woman that the the breeder. Not that she bred him, but you know what I mean. The Jeez. woman responsible for the yeah. breeding of the dogs. 
names them alphabetically so that she can keep track of them, because when they're puppies, they all look the same. So this was the K litter. So we had Knox, and his brother's name was something weird. I forget his brother's name. And then they had five girls, Kennedy, Kamichi. They had all kinds of Ks. And, so. and, and there was no thought, like, maybe we could change? Yeah, no, you, you could. We just liked the name Knox. Oh. We, we could have changed it. He's, he wasn't name chain, uh, name trade. This is captivating. But we, <laughs> but we liked it. This is some captivating stuff. All right. so it's better than talking about the Orioles choking away that win last night. All right, settle down. Settle. We'll, we'll get to some. Tell me why it is. I understand why the, the, the Vita Guerrera uh, choking was compelling on Sunday, but tell me what at all is compelling about Justin Thomas. Um, you know what's funny is he was, the to me, as I watched it, he was the, the least, in, you're right, he was the least interesting story of them all. Would have been awesome for Zalatoris to win putting like that. I mean, that would have been the most hilarious part of it all. Even though he didn't putt poorly on Thursday or Friday, he putted terribly the, the other two days with that stroke. It would have been funny to see him win. Um, I, I really would. I really wanted Pereira to win just because I didn't want the aftermath. As soon as he hit the ball in the water, as soon right. as he hit in the water, I said he can't make five from there. Right. He's going to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say the one thing that's compelling about Thomas o- overall is. Um, he really is one of the best American players. Like the next three or four, you know, the Ryder cup to me is of all the things that happen in golf, the Ryder cup and the masters are the two thing. Like I didn't see any of the PGA, honestly, the only part of the PGA I saw was holes six to eighteen on Sunday, Wait, what or five the, to eighteen. I didn't watch any of it because I just had too much other stuff going you on. You know, you're the you know you're the golf guy, right? I, I know. Like, you want to say just, you're just, the host I, of Fairways and Greens? I know. On Thursday, I had golf all day. Friday, I had golf all day. Saturday, I had golf all day. Sunday was the first time I got what, to watch it. I'm just is scheduling all this golf during the PGA Championship, right? But I bring that up to say the Masters and the Ryder Cup you, you are the used two. To, you used to try to, to fight people about showing the Masters in the Orioles press well, box on opening right, day. So listen, the Masters and the Ryder Cup are the two things I will not miss, right? Thomas is sort of the de facto leader, if you will, of maybe the next two or three or even four U.S. teams. So anytime one of those guys, whether or not it's him or Cantlay or Chauvelet, anytime one of those guys wins a, a significant event, to me, it, it can only create good things for them. So I, I, I'm not trying to sound American biased, but I was I, thrilled I, that he won I, at I, the I, end. I understand what you're saying. He just comes yeah. off very, and I, and I know like the only like one... He's he comes off very milk toast, right? He, like, he is with He's, with the with the only thing that anybody might kind of mildly know about him is being bad, right? Like right. the only the only thing the average person might know about Justin Thomas, <laughs> besides the fact that he's won two PGA championships, which is significant, obviously, is right. the the time that he yelled out, you know, the the, the word you you're not you absolutely cannot yell out after you hit a golf ball, right? So right. I right. just that's the tough part for me is that he just doesn't come off as being someone that can get. Uh, it, unless you really hardcore care about golf and you'd be watching anyway, it's hard for me to fathom that anybody says, oh, hell yeah, Justin Thomas won the PGA. Now I'm really excited about the U.S. Open. Right. Here, Here's the one thing, and I, I was going to write this, uh, and I still might, but 
here's the thing that I find when I watch the end of the golf tournament and I watch the last 12 or 13 holes and you have these names that you're all very familiar with, like McElroy, I get this notification on my phone, Roy McElroy is three under after four holes. And I say, holy cow, Roy McElroy might win this thing. Like he finished a six under, which funny enough, <laughs> if he'd have finished six under, he, he would have. Yes. I said, said to the guys I was playing with, if he finishes six under, he might win. This kid could easily shoot three or four over today, right? Which he did. Um, so you have those names, right? You have Justin, you have McElroy. It's funny because Kevin Van Valkenburg wrote a column on Saturday night and said, why can't these guys close? Right, right. And then Justin Thomas closed um, with help. But the one thing that really step, stands out to me when I watch these players play, particularly in majors, it really, really hits home to me how freaking good Jack and Tiger were. Like, those guys beat everyone's brains in. And I, I'm not nearly as well-versed on Jack as I am on Tiger. So I, I'm not even, I'm not going to give you data on Jack because I don't know it. Tiger beat those guys' brains in for, for 12 years like he owned them, right? He won 14 major championships from 1996 through 2008. 14 of them. Right. And when I watch these guys try to finish one of them off, and I'll just use Justin Thomas as an example. He hits an incredible drive at the 18th hole in regulation. He doesn't know for sure that he's going to win, but he's got to be looking at the leaderboard and figuring, man, if I make a birdie here, I could probably win this thing. He hits an incredible iron to 10 feet, and then he misses mm -hmm. it. And I, I, I watch that, and I'm like, dude, that's so unjack and untiger. Okay, like, well, I mean, Tiger did lose to Y Yang once. Yeah, that's correct. Like, that's correct. And Rich Beam. Yes, but he also did that, lose to. And by the way, he tried his damnedest to lose to Chris DeMarco at the Masters. That and Rocco Mediate. Yeah. But it, when I watch these guys try and close, it really, really puts what Jack and Tiger did in their careers in a. In, in a much, okay, much different sure, light. Sure, like, it's incredible. Right. And McElroy's been stuck on four now for eight years. Eight years! Jo Jordan Spieth's been stuck on three for five years. Yep. And like, and these are supposedly, and I'm, I, I don't, I'm saying that, and I know it sounds like I'm, I'm picking on them, but they're supposedly the best right, players in the world. world. Yep. And yep. they can't win. I hear you. I hear you. And so is that about them? Or is it about Scotty Scheffler getting good all of a sudden, or you know Max Homa winning a couple of weeks ago when he won when he beat McElroy over there in D.C. Like I, I don't know which one it is, but I tend to lean a little bit in the direction of what Kevin wrote. When Kevin wrote, they just don't have it. Like under the gun, down the stretch, final day, final nine holes, final three holes, they're missing something, and I I would lean more to that. Then I would, yeah, but, you know, Max Homa gets hot, or Will Zalatoris gets hot, or Joel Damon gets hot. I, I would lean more towards what Kevin wrote, right, that they, I think they're missing something. Well, I mean, I think they're really good players. They're just, they're not the greatest of all time. They're they're, right. they're really good players in an era where there isn't a, a dominant force, necessarily, that exists within the sport. Drew Forrester with us, but DrewsMorningDish.com. You see, I actually had a legitimate golf conversation with you today. Yeah, I, that was you know, good. Like, there won't be any more. I want to make that abundant. Oh, okay. There will be right, no, no more of that. Okay. Um, well, in three weeks we'll have one when they have the U.S. Open. Is that when they do that? They do yep. that? Father's weeks. Day weekend. 
Carlos, you know that. Carlos it's always Alcorn. Father's Day weekend. I do know that. I do know because you know it's a, for me as a dad. It's all I want is just come on, Glenn. It's, it's what I'm looking for. Just sit around and watch golf that's, with your kid. That's the way that I want it to be. I got to do a radio show these days on Sunday. I know, me too. So right, I'll see you Sunday. Unavail- will Will I though? Will yeah. I? <laughs> I'll see you Sunday. All yeah. right. Um, so let's let's uh, cover a couple things. Where Where are you? How did you handle the aftermath of Saturday? How did you handle the we all there's no defending what the Orioles did, but we also know it's not the end of the world. It's not like blow up the team. I, I don't. I just don't know. I did my damnedest in a column. To- I read your column, and uh, so I, I, let me beat you up for a second. Mm-hmm. I read your column, and you you alternately you made a bunch of great points. You you really did. You you made a bunch of great points. You're an excellent writer. You made a bunch of great I, points. I, this is, I, in, I can't I can't wait to find out what the other side of this is. I can't. But wait. in but in your effort to stay in good graces with the Orioles, no, you went. No, no, that's let me not finish. You, it's my show now. Uh, what? In your, uh, yeah, it's my this is my segment. This you guys weird. pay me to come on and talk for twenty minutes, and usually only pay me for thirty, and which is works out perfect. Um, in your effort to stay in good graces with them, you went out of your way. To make sure you, you know, you painted them as, or painted the thing as, you know, 10 years from now, gee golly, when we're in the World Series, no one's going to think about this. You went out of your way to do I that, which those I words. understand. I don't think I use you, those words at all. Oh, I have no idea Which I understand that you have to do that. But you know, you know this. And I, it, what they did was, it was totally amateur hour. It was awful. It's this is a big statement. It's the worst thing they've ever done. Oh, stop it! Now, no, no, no. See, now you're doing it's, the exact I'm talking about, opposite. I'm talking thing. about. I'm not saying like. I'm not comparing it to not signing Nelson Cruz or not giving Marquecas. I'm talking about it's the worst thing they've ever done from the standpoint of having an event or some sort of happening that was gifted to them. Right. It was gifted. They drafted this kid, the number one overall pick. Anyone, the, the 1,400 people in the town that still watch every game, me, you, and 12 other, 1,200 other idiots who watch all the games. Well, this hang is on, I'm not even really sure that I'm in that category. <laughs> but this is all we've been waiting for. And the people who go down there... 12 nights a year to collect the, the tankard and the t-shirt and the foam finger that they give away and the buttons and the hats and the bobbleheads. It's all these people have been waiting for, for four years. This is all they've waited for. The chance to go see this kid's first game because he is, no matter what they want to paint him out to be, he is the guy that everyone looks at and says, if we're going to win, he's going to be the leader of it. I, I want to introduce you to Zach. Zach is our, <laughs> our, a young man. He's a resident baseball guy here. He's part of the baseball show with Paul every Saturday, and he would like to say something, and then I'll let you. By the way, Zach, if I were you, mm-hmm. I, I would, I'm going to tread lightly. I, I would, no, I would just brace yourself. Okay. Look, say whatever you want to say. That's fine. Brace yourself. How old are you, Zach? I'm 21. No, you 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 are not entitled stop, to an opinion. Stop, uh, well, I, stop. I think I am. Um, my, no, <laughs> sir, you're not. But go I, ahead. I, I believe I am, but I'm, I'm going to make a comment here. Um, I look, I agree with what you're saying. I, I think you're I think you're right on about what the Orioles could have done. Now, I am question, right on. Now, my question to you 
is that were there unforeseen circumstances regarding what the the Orioles were allowed to do in in relation to the players' union in announcing Rutschman's debut beforehand? I think there's that's a possibility because there are rules about what they can and can't say. Um, I saw someone put it out there on Twitter this week, and I'm generally curious if that's a, a thing that actually could be a possibility. I have no idea if it's a possibility, but if it is, that is a rule, they should do what they do every other time they want something to go out. They leak it to rock. That's fair. So, yeah, if they wanted you to know on Friday, I mean on on Monday, that that kid was playing on Friday, there's 18,000 ways to get that word out. This 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 was total amateur hour by them. I can't get over that they squandered this. Forget about, forget even about the cosmetics of it. Think about the money they gave away, that they just gave away. They could have had, if they'd have done this the right way, they'd have had 40,000 people in there on Friday, 29,800 on Saturday, and 32,000 on Sunday. It was laughable. And we haven't heard anything from them. The very least they could do is say, hey, here's what happened. We brought, But they brought him up on Preakness Saturday. I, I, look, I, I, this is the thing. Are you insane? I, you know I... The you, only day that matters in the whole state 100%. for the whole year. And I don't even know that the race matters anymore, uh, but people think it does. But it's not, it has nothing to do with the race. It's it's the day. Like, I mean, the Correct. race is, is, is the reason. Yeah, the race isn't even... Not, and that's it. No, no one cares about the race. Who won? No one even knows. Right. It's Correct. the whole day. This yes. is what we do yes. on the third Saturday in May, if right. that's what it was this time. It was. Um, this is what we do. We, 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 meaning the community, yes. we go to this event. Yes, there's there's nothing to compare. And, by the and way, we're not changing our mind on Saturday morning at 8.15 right, when you we, send a text out. After we spent hundreds of dollars in tickets and Correct. mapped out our entire day. And, and, and no, it's, it's impossible. So... The thing is, you know that I agree. This is the only part that I say back. I don't really care. They, they, they're going to get mad at me about a billion things. This is the way that this works, right? Like, I deal with that. Um, I, I think what you don't realize is that I am genuine. This is how I feel now. Like, this is the way I've changed as a parent, right? I don't care after Saturday. Like, once Saturday's over, I just don't care anymore. I don't think it matters. I thought it mattered on Saturday. I was really bummed. I, I wasn't... I 100% would have gone... If yes. the game would have been, if Friday night, if on Monday of last week, because I, I, I would have gone Monday, if the, if the previous Thursday, they would have said Monday night is his game, I would have, I would have fetched Ethan and we would have gone down there for that game. And on Tuesday, had they said, hey, Friday night against Tampa, he's making his debut, I would have gone to that game. One hundred percent. I, there would have been you and I would have been there together. One thousand percent. That's the how they messed this up is unbelievable. It's the only time this kid would ever make his debut, and this has nothing to do with Gunner or Grayson Rodriguez or DL Hall or any of those other guys because they weren't the first pick, and you haven't been banking the franchise well, and, and, on that. And by the way, that's some of the things that I've heard have been like, well, you don't you don't want to try to make it seem like this guy's more important than everybody else. You don't. Oh, well, then why did then why did you give out commemorative tickets after the game? Come on, right? Right? No, like, please don't feed why, me why that. Are, why are you announcing a T-shirt night for the guy for the next yeah, time we, you're we, at home? We got to like, be careful. We don't want this kid to know the future of the franchise is on his shoulders. What you don't think he has the internet? Exactly right. And then there's the. 
second. Teams won 55 games for the last four years. Right. Guys, I have the commemorative ticket. I'd be happy to sell it to you for I, a, I'm a very pass. fair Th price. Thank you. Thank you for that. Very I'm, I'm going to pass. I as, can't uh, get over that they messed this up. Well, the other one that people tried to give me was, well, what if they didn't They didn't want to put too much pressure on him? I'm like, my God. That's what I'm saying. You know, my like, God. He doesn't, he doesn't realize right. where he was picked. Right. Or, or you know you were the first if, pick. If the, I was, really? The, I didn't know that. If the problem is playing in front of 30,000 people, like if, if this young man can't handle playing in front of 30,000 people, we're boned because you were sending him to New York in two days to play in front of 30,000 people. Yeah, I, 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 and this is, I, it, I always laugh when these apologists get their feathers ruffled, uh, and and you know anything that anything that gets heaped on the team, they immediately say, well that nope, that's wrong. You're just beating up the team. This is the one occasion. This is the one where even the apologists have to say this was dreadful. But this is the part where I separate. I I agree with all of it, and that's what I wrote. I just don't. I genuinely can't pretend like I'm still fired up a week later. Like a week later, I'm just on with my life. Like that's I understand that. I was on with my life Sunday morning. Yeah. But it's I can't get over that they screwed this yeah, up. It's, it's it's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's why I didn't I was gonna it have was to write something. Just gift it to you. Where, hey, where the number are one you? pick is coming up. You got eight games seven games to figure out when you're gonna play him. Where are you Which one did you choose? The only date you couldn't pick is the one you picked. That's the only one. Play him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Saturday, or su Friday or Sunday. Just don't play him on Saturday. Yep. Sorry, it's, the, it's what it is. All right. Anyway, um, where are you with all of the Messina stuff? Where are you with that? The who? I don't. Mike Messina. Oh, I thought you said Matheny. I'm like, no, yeah, Pat Matheny? Matheny? Yeah, where are you with oh. Pat Matheny is exactly. <laughs> Actually, I meant uh, a former, former catcher Mike Matheny is what I wanted yeah, to know. Yeah, right. I thought you? you meant Pat Matheny. Um uh, Messina, look, bring me up to speed. Oh, you mean the retirement number thing? Yeah. I, I, you mean because Rutschman's wearing 35 and... Yes, and Buster Olney, who everybody hates now, called him out for it instead of having... Well, Buster a, hates the team. Well, but, but instead of having a thoughtful conversation about the subject, we're just dunking on Buster Olney, and in the process, we're allowing Mike Messina to catch strays. And that, like, people have gotten mad at me. I don't, I don't even know... I, I said in my column, I don't... Retiring numbers ain't my bag, man. Well, what's like, your question about Messina? Should is are you is your question should the Orioles retire his number? Yeah, it's a, I think it's broader than that. I think it's should the Orioles retire his number, and moreover, have the Orioles generally done him wrong, even if they shouldn't retire his number? Okay, well the answer is pretty simple. Let me just go back real quick. If you, as a reader and a Twitter or whatever you a Twitterer. Well, if that's mm, the word. Brilliant. If you get wrapped up in Buster Olney's disdain for the Orioles, he, he, you're just falling. Of course, he doesn't like the Orioles. He that's part of the stick. Like, don't you shouldn't let that get on your get uh, you know grate you. He doesn't like the Oriole organization. But bad faith actors can still make good points. Like, the, I, I I understand. Yeah. I, and so the answer to your question is: Should they retire his number? Absolutely. 110% no. Okay. That's number Why? That's number Why one. not? He didn't have a complete career here. Well, neither did yes. Frank Robinson. No, but you're you're talking about a legendary, and some of it does have to do, uh, ironically, some of it does have to do with start-finish, mm -hmm. I would say, and that's where the Frank argument would probably come into play. Um, 
I, it might be looked at differently if Messina went Yankees Orioles. I will agree with that. And you just took their body, you took their his individual body of work and just flipped them. We probably would look at it differently. I would agree with that. Okay. Um, but I I just don't think he. I I just don't think his. When I think of Mike Messina, I think great pitcher. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. Great pitcher, Hall of Famer, pitching the steroid era. Blah 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 blah. But. But retire his number? So I want you to know, I'm okay with everything you just said. Here's what I'm not okay with. The Baltimore Orioles were going to retire Mike Messina's number. That's a fact. Okay. As long as he put an Oriole bird on his plaque. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Why are we okay with this? Why is it that we fall in line with this nonsense? Because I am not strongly telling you that I think Mike Messina's number should be retired. And again, part of that is I don't... I don't think people realize how long forever is. Prince said forever's a mighty long time. I think that at some point, either we're going to have to start putting the Batman symbol on the backs of players' jerseys, or we can't retire numbers for forever. I'm not a fan of it. I've and I've changed. I've I've evolved. I was not. Once upon a time, I think that everybody should have a statue. Now I don't think there should be stat. Jerry Sandusky changed my mind about statues. I hate statues. I don't I want there to be this statues. Three years ago, about Adam Jones, I said. They should retire Adam Jones's number for ten years. This is a fitting. He wore number that, that ten, would, right? Yep. That, that would be a really cool gesture and, by the team. And, and my Re- thought was, just don't have a crappy player be the next guy that wears the number. I don't really care that. I, I don't care at all that Rat Adley Rutschman's wearing number thirty-five. But you know what? I do think it's kind of a joke that you let some of the the, the Grayson Aquinos of the world wear number thirty-five. Like. That's not the way it should be. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And, and I don't disagree with the retired number thing either. And if you want to come up with 50 years or whatever you want to come up with to satisfy people, hey, and no one can number wear can number different. eight. The number no one be... can wear number right. eight in an Oriole uniform till 2060. And I do think okay. the number can be different based on who the player was, right? Like when I say Mike Messina, retire Mike Messina's number for uh, for 20 years, right? But right. retire right. Brooks right. Robinson's right. number for 100 years, right? right. Like we, we can acknowledge that the players are not once upon a time a baseball team had a really great player, and everybody said, we'll never see anybody like that guy ever again. We better retire his number because nobody else could ever wear it. And then you realize, like, there were going to be more great players that were going to come along. Sure. The Yankees retire anybody. They're retiring Paul effing O'Neill's number. Everybody's going to have to wear a spring training number for the New York Yankees within the next 10 years because they're going to run out of numbers because they just retire anybody's number. I don't like retired numbers, but I, I hate the way we disparage Mike Messina. Because we know what happened. He got run out of town by an owner that wasn't going to pay for pitching. We know what occurred. And we, we're so childish about it. Well, yeah, well, not but he, only did they run him out of town, they offered him less money, and the union said you're not allowed to take that. And he <laughs> didn't want Mike Messina right. loved Baltimore so badly, he took a hometown discount to stay here and pissed off the entire players union in the process. Right. Right. And right. that's the guy. That's the guy we crap on. That's right. the guy that we say, yeah, but he played for the Yankees. I get so livid. Well, of course he listening. played for the Yankees. They offered him $110 million. He didn't have a choice any longer. <laughs> right. The union was so furious with him for how much he loved Baltimore that he had no choice but to take who offered the most money the next time around. He right. didn't have a choice any longer. And we are so childish and so small in this city that you had a great pitcher in your life. In my life... 
there is one guy that was a great pitcher that I ever got to see. His name was Mike Messina. And guys my age, S on Mike Messina. Instead of hey, saying... You saw, you were, you saw uh, Andrew Kashner. That's era. a great point. We did have Andrew Kashner. I'm so, you know what? I'm so sorry, Mr. Kashner, for not showing that. And respect. what was the other dude we brought in? Cobb. Yeah, yeah Alex, Alex Cobb. Cobb. Got to see Alex Cobb, too. It is nuts <laughs> the way that we treat Mike Messina in this town. It's insane the way right, that we treat him. because he went to the Yankees. And, and the Orioles are the... the this is the frustrating part. They should be the ones that step in and say, you know what? We kind of f this up. We played along. It was easy back in the day. It was a local market, small market, not a lot of media. It was easy for us to manipulate people and make it believe, like, hey, we really wanted Mike Messina, but, boy, he screwed us and went to New York, which was right. not remotely true. They were never signing Mike Messina. I, right. we, 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 like, pretend like Peter Angelos didn't literally say, we don't pay guys that play every fifth day. Yeah, correct. We pretend like there was some world in which they were shedding all of the rest of their payroll, but they were going to sign Mike Messina if he just hadn't gone with the Evil Empire instead. It's right. What nuts. was the guy that he? Um, what was the name of the um, the pitcher? Oh, Oswald. Yeah, Roy Oswald. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. He that's said, right. "Yeah, there's a lot of money to give to a guy who only works only, one, only plays once every, every five days." Day. That's exactly what we. It's because you lawyers work every day. It's nuts oh, the way sorry. that we do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Jeez. Sorry to all my Jeez. lawyer friends listening. Yeah, you're probably gonna need one of them. <laughs> on the golf, yeah, on the golf course every day. Hey, Drew, you want to play today? You're, you're... Don't you have a court case? <laughs> no, not this, not this month. Probably gonna need them at some point. So that's my my issue. Isn't about Adley Rutschman wearing number thirty five. I got no beef with that whatsoever. I do have beef with the fact that Brad Bergeson was allowed to wear number thirty five. That was right. that was a joke. And that right. that goes to an organization that did this guy wrong. And we should at some point talk about that and have a greater. I get it. I certainly understand saying, "Hey, I don't think he's Frank Brooks, Eddie Cal, whatever." But I definitely right. can't defend. If any one of you defending the idea that it was okay, the Orioles were going to retire his number and give him a statue as long as there was a little birdie on a plaque. Right. That's well, indefensible. And then part of that was their, you know, part of that was their fight with the Yankees. Also, if no, if he would have gone to the White to Sox, right. right? If he would have signed with the White Sox, they probably wouldn't have cared. But got it. Can't have him going there with a Yankee hat on. Uh, well, he didn't even do that. He went on with nothing. Yeah, he went on right. And that's that's the thing. That's the literally the entire difference and why it is that Mike Messina does not have his number retired is that he has a blank cap in the Hall of Fame. That right. is a fact, as reported by Dan Connolly. Like that's not a conjecture. Which, by the way, is also sort of kind of a testament to him. Hey, look, I, I I know I made you know I know I made a gazillion dollars. With the Yankees, yeah. and you know, hey, look, I, I, I don't want to sit here and argue about who, what franchise was better, or blah 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 blah. But I could easily just say, put the NY on my hat. Right, I get to go into, I get to but be I, another Hall of Fame Yankee. I get to join that club. But I didn't do that. Right. right. I and we, again, the facts are: we know how badly Mike Messina cared about Baltimore. We know that because he took less money and pissed everyone off in order to right. try to stay in Baltimore. Right. Oh, it's so infuriating. Oh, it, no, it, I know. Uh, it, it's, you know, you say this all the time, like the stuff that we get mad at, <sighs> the stuff that bothers us incredible. It's like, so, we're so, we're so small, man. We just, we're so <laughs> small. We're so pathetic about this type of stuff. Yeah, but he was a Yankee and F the Yankee. 
Like, how do you function in a society? Like, how do you get, uh, approach your day and deal with the realities of the world if you are this fragile about the fact that somebody also happened to play for the Yankees? How? Right. How? Right. right. All right. Let's play Would You Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. One week left. That's it. It's gone at the end of the month. So this is your last chance to try the uh, spring seasonal menu with the uh, flash-fried pork belly and the Korean number 2 sauce as well. As the Cracker Jack Sunday, the baseball cut sirloin, the strawberry salmon salad. You never know. They might decide that something was so good they'll keep it on the menu. But this is for sure. I cannot guarantee that any day past the end of the month you'll be able to try them. So get to your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com. All right, number one, would you rather? Of course, the NFL is deciding now to get rid of the Pro Bowl. All right? <laughs> wow. 30, 30, 30 Man, what, are, what are we going to do? Zach, I know you got things you want to say. We're going to talk after this. No, right? no, yeah. I, you, no, but you and I are going to have a conversation, I promise. Okay. I'm going to give you your place. Um, would you rather they just go ahead, get rid of it, and do the stupid skills competition and make that the focal point of the week? Or, hear me out, they keep the dumb game, acknowledging it's never going to be all that competitive, but any time a player drops out of the game, they replace them with a former player so next year's Pro Bowl might involve, like, Calvin Johnson and Randy Moss catching passes from, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Man, who on earth came up with that? And it could be anybody, really. Could have been anybody. Man. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I've, uh, that sounds okay. That's I mean, the thing. Watch- I have no interest in anything related to the Pro Bowl at all. You can't get me to watch any of this crap. But I'm telling you, if I was to find out that Calvin Johnson was playing in an even semi-competitive football game next year, I might yeah, you, I might you, turn that on. <laughs> yeah, you might have to. Yeah, that's that's my thing. I can't like I I can't shake. I, if somebody said, "Hey, look, Ed Reed's going to be out," they're like, Meh. "All right, I might have to look at that. I might have to look at it." That's just the way that I feel. Number two, would you rather? Are you familiar with the story of Seth Green and his stolen monkey? I am not. Okay, then we'll move on. We'll save that for another day. Okay. You, you okay. Get, you'd have to know. Just have to know. So number three, uh, same odds either way. You bet your life savings, everything you okay. have, everything at all. Oh, jeez. Okay. On the Ravens winning multiple playoff games this year. Or the Orioles the winning Ravens mul- winning multiple playoff games this coming year. Yep. Or the Orioles winning multiple, multiple playoff games next year. Ravens are winning multiple. You got to pick one of the two. You yes. can't say neither. Nope. Okay. Got to pick one of the two. Okay. Um. Well, I mean, you know what the answer is. Begrudgingly, you would have to pick the Ravens. I get it. I was, of course. I was trying to figure out how to shape this because I'm getting that. I I kept playing with this. If it was just them. It's the Orioles. I know that, but there's reason to think they could be turning a corner. And yeah. the difficulty... Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you know what gives me reason to pause? What? I remember it's the Orioles. <laughs> there is that. I, I hear you. I, and, yeah. it, but it's, just, it's also difficult to buy. The AFC is really good right now. And the Ravens don't have any wide receivers. <laughs> And yeah. it's tough. Yeah. It's tough for me to have a lot of faith in multiple playoff games. Is really, it's not the same thing in the NFL as it is in baseball. No, I I would agree, and I I I think, I I mean I do I think the baseball team is mo- clearly they're moving in the right direction. I mean, yeah, this is a good one. I, I again, your first blush reaction is, of course, it's 
the Ravens. Right. One team goes to the playoffs every year, and the other team hasn't been in the playoffs since Clinton was the president. So, I get it. I mean, that's not that's not actually true. You know, I know, it's not. aware of that. <laughs> just want to make sure. I never know I, with I, you. I guess I should have said since Clinton was a good president. Uh, okay. But then that might not have ever happened either, so Stop. never mind. All right, what's coming up on uh, Fairways? Sorry, John. John? Oh, Little Rock, right. That kid. Yeah. yeah, sorry. You John. Hate John knows him or works for him or something. fighting with him. How's he doing, by the way, John? I think he's doing fine, man. John with all his football I, be- I believe I saw he's going to the Indianapolis 500 this Sunday. Oh, that ought to be a thrill. I, it's not. It is not on my. Remember we went to the. Remember we went to the track. Yeah, there was a party there, and I kissed. We- I kissed the stupid bricks like I had done something. Yeah, right, like, right, right. Like because it was just the thing to do. Like you go there, and then I get up, and I'm like, why did I do that? John hasn't checked in with his football review here oh, of the settled, uh, Champions League. Well, they, 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 the the, the glorious on, football the game's he's been able to Saturday, see. The game's on Saturday, Drew. Oh, it is? Yeah, I, I, some of us know football. Yeah, this is wonderful football we're watching. <laughs> football. A, such a weird bit. It's such <laughs> a weird bit. Football! What he is, called it football! Yes, well, a lot of people in the world and call it football, Drew. Like, he said something like, this is the most aesthetically pleasing football I've ever seen. Well, you know I'm what? like, Maybe it that was. guy needs to be punched right in the face. So calm down. <laughs> what is coming up on Fairways and Greens this Sunday? Oh, man. I don't know. It's Sunday. We'll have something. Hey, don't forget, um, and I think we're going to have a big crowd tonight, but we I have a free golf clinic tonight Okay. Um, at Pine Ridge uh, Driving Range, 6 to 7.30 p.m. It's part of uh, Maryland FCA golf. Uh, I'll be there. Michael Crowley, who just qualified um, here two weeks ago for the sectionals in the U.S. Open, which means he goes to the next stage, and if he gets through there, he plays in the U.S. Open. He'll be there tonight with me. He played for Calvert Hall f- um, a few years back, and now he's a standout at Loyola University. He'll be there, and uh, it's free. Uh, it's open to anyone, but we're really looking for junior golfers. Okay, we're looking for kids who well, that's, that's are interested good, in golf. You couldn't fix my game anyway. <laughs> yeah, we've seen. You I've seen enough of your game to know. Terra firma, baby. Terra firma. Yeah, that's yeah, all. I do remember that. All right. Uh, the more beer you drank that day, actually, the better 100%. you got. Percent. All of a sudden, I was starting. Yeah. To, like, did that one just land on the green? It. Yeah, did. right. I'm like, yeah, it landed on the green. Problem is, that's not on this hole. Hey. All we said was terra firma, my man. That's yeah. all, that's all, we all said. I said was hit the green. You're like, I just hit one. I said, I yeah, but we're aiming for 14. You just hit it on the nine. Was it a green or not? And had those people scattering, those poor folks. a lot of that. All right. Uh, at It's a Hooded 4 on Twitter. Drew's Morningdish.com. Fairways and Greens Sunday morning or Sunday at noon on 105.7 The Fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. It'll be fun. It'll be, it'll be nice to see you. Appreciate you, bud. I'll, I'll be there. Can't wait. There you go. Drew Ford. See you. Checking in with us here on GCR. Um, all right, uh, you and I'll do Would You Rather Wednesday, but let's also the, what give me give me your Messina reaction. Um, yeah, this is a complicated one because there are many angles to this. I think um, there are there I are agree. many angles. I think the the overwhelming argument that I lean towards is that Messina did not go in with an Oriole on his cap. I, I cannot. Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson. Right. Played much longer for the Reds than he did for the Baltimore Orioles mm-hmm. and went in with an Oriole on his cap. I think that says something to me about Frank Robinson versus Mike Messina. Maybe, maybe I don't want to say personally, but just in that, in the way that he went. Or in it with might an say Oriole. something about his relationship with another franchise and, and the relationship with the ownership of the team as well. Yeah. I think that's also a big part of it. And, and I, I don't think th- that I would be in a rush for the team that ran me off after mm-hmm. everything I had done for them. I don't know that I would be in a rush to say, well, let me 
let me let me turn aside the other and go with that. I just can't. Why does the cat matter at all? I how, when will you? How many times in your life are you going to see Mike Messina's Hall of Flame Hall of Fame plaque? It's just I, I in think, your life. I think how many times in your life will you see? I've it? seen it once because why I, I, I went. Care? I went last year. Why um, do you care? Maybe I shouldn't care, but I think it's very symbolic of of greater. Um, and relationships is maybe the word for it, but it's just symbolic of a lot. And I think that Mike Messina, he left for the Yankees, and yes, everyone's bitter about that. And yeah, Angelo said a big, big it, it's impact the on that. Right, it. it's a big impact on that. And there's a lot going on there. That's why there's so many angles to this. But I have personally zero problem with the Orioles giving out number 35. Now, as my trivia question is going to allude to, there are a lot of guys have worn number 35 uh, since since you know. Mike Messina left in 2001, and Adley Rutschman is the first really good Oriole, or at least we hope to be really good Oriole, to wear number 35. So that kind of that to me, the significance of the number maybe is the Orioles did not play that perfectly. That's I mean, that's that, that is a, that is an argument. Th- we we distract from the issue right by saying like, well, why didn't Buster only care about it the last time? This has nothing to do with this. We're debating this now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, people are trying to wag the dog because you're obsessed with Buster only. Settle down. Not you. I'm saying generally. Yeah. Right? I, I, Settle down. Bad faith. I can say Buster only might be a bad faith actor, but bad faith actors can still bring up topics mm-hmm. that we need to discuss. Yeah. And this city has not reconciled our, our I, I, a very close friend of mine and I ended up going back and forth about this for hours. And somebody that's my age, I said, you, what you just said to me was, well, I don't, I don't hate Mike Messina. Imagine that being the bar. For the greatest pitcher you ever got to witness uh-huh. in your life is I don't hate them. That is some twisted Philadelphia fan toxic nonsense. I don't disagree at all. We are so messed up about this because we want to show how small we are. We're so pathetic that the fact that Mike Messina pitched for the Yankees has led us to try to pretend like Mike Messina for 10 years wasn't brilliant. No. By the way, there are numbers that suggest he was better than Jim Palmer. I don't believe that for a second. But when you actually go into numbers, and I love you, uh, uh, T-Bone, Tom Mar, love you. God bless you. But this is the thing we do. There are people that want to pretend like Mike Cuellar or Dave McNally were better pitchers than Mike Messina. We have the data now. We have we the do. information. The data makes it abundantly clear that, frankly, not only was Mike Messina as good as we thought, he was far better than we gave him credit for mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. 10 years. Yes. Because we didn't know then the, the, the value of the ballpark that you're pitching in right. and the team that you have behind you and the lineups that you have to face. We didn't consider the idea of independent statistics. Now that we have them, it's effing overwhelming how good Mike Messina was. It's insane how good Mike Messina was for a decade. It's bonkers that we got to watch that guy pitch every fifth day for 10 years. And we have this insane hard-on about, yeah, but the Yankees. Yeah, but he was a Yankee. He didn't want to be a Yankee! We all know these things. Or... We have the ability to find them out. Well, I guess the the other thing is too is that you know, based on with the relationship of the Orioles deteriorating, if I can say the word correctly, mm-hmm. in two thousand, um, and Messina not coming back, he got an offer of ninety around like, what was it ninety million dollars mm-hmm. from the Yankees. 
do you expect Messina to turn that down? But he couldn't. This is the part that right. like, he took a hometown discount to stay in Baltimore. Right. And the union lost their minds. Right. So he did not have the option of doing it again because of his standing within yeah. the union yeah. as a ten year veteran player. Right. If you're going to do that, you have to quit your union. I mean my point is is you that you can't keep getting them giving the middle finger to the union that you're in. Right. And my point is, is that there could have been another team that ca- that comes along and offers Mike Messina the same deal the Yankees did. Right. But it's unlikely because the Yankees are so they were the team at the time that wanted to spend all the money. They wanted to continue exactly. their, their and success, and they had the money to spend. And the right. Steinbrenners at the time were very willing they to just give won out contracts. Four World Series in five years. Right. They were they were in the middle of one of the most competitive streaks in Yankee mm-hmm. history, and you're getting a guy who is an ace, a frontline starter. And if you're going to pay him ninety million dollars, there might not be another team that will. And I think that is you can't blame Mike Messina for saying, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take the $90 million I was offered. It's not just that you can't blame him. It's the part that we leave out. He was almost forced into it, sure. He didn't have a choice. Right. I, I don't disagree. He had already done the thing. He loved Baltimore so much, yeah. he had already pissed off the union once. Yeah. He couldn't do it again. We have not had a reconciliation in this city about Mike Messina. No, you're undeniably correct. We have to. At some point, we have to sit down because it's sad. It's sad that Mike Messina is not someone that wants to be back here more often. Understandable. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It's sad that we use the words that we use. Well, I don't. I don't hate him. I'm. I'm over that. <laughs> That's what we say when we talk about. For many of us, the best pitcher we ever saw in our lives. Obviously, if you're a certain age, you got to see Jim Palmer. It's sad. It's pathetic. We have to do better. We got to be better than this. Yeah. I would like for it to start with the Orioles and extending. You say, well, they brought him back. They put him in the Orioles Hall of Fame. The Orioles Hall of Fame is a plaque in a bathroom. That is we, accurate. We, pretending like the Orioles Hall of Fame. And I, I get it. It's a big deal that Mo Gabba went into the Orioles Hall of Fame, right? Because Mo Gabba wasn't a baseball player. But saying, well, we, they put Mike Messina in the Orioles Hall of Fame, they damn well better have. Gary Renneke is in the Orioles Hall of Fame. Well, there's probably about 15, 20 guys that are in the yes. Orioles Hall of Fame that a lot of fans probably have never heard of. Paul and I it's, actually went through the list. It's and we, <laughs> a plaque it was, at a bathroom. Yeah, correct. That's not an olive branch. That's literally doing the bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. There's some guys in there you would never have heard of. I almost guarantee it. And for Mike Messina to not be on that would be in plaque and would be the most embarrassing thing that we could, it would be you could ever do. Right, exactly. That's not an olive branch. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't, again, Gun <laughs> Clark Radio, I don't have the answers. But I know the answer isn't try to hold the guy up over his stupid Hall of Fame plaque. Because if you believe he's not worthy, then suddenly thinking he's worthy just because of what logo is on a dumb plaque is bat s insane. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not it. That's not it. And I'm not telling you I think the number has to be retired forever. Again, I don't like retiring numbers forever in general. That's not my thing. I, I, for me, it really depends on the player. Like a, a guy like Cal Ripken and the significance, or Jim Palmer, and the significance they had to the organization, I think it's in worth 500 it. 500 years, if the Baltimore Orioles are still around, I hope they've had 13 more Cal Ripkins and Jim Palmers. Fair. Yeah. It, you're going to run out of numbers. It's not don't don't put it I, I keep coming back to. Imagine how electric it would have been. 
on again, Saturday night being the wrong night to have done it, but whatever. It's, it was Saturday night. Imagine how electric it would have been if as part of those festivities, the Orioles had had Mike Messina cut a video saying, I'm so glad to have number 35 back, man. Adley Rutschman, welcome to Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Would have been electric. That would have been awesome. But they gave Mike Messina's number to terrible players that we're going to talk about again in a second. Yeah. They didn't take it out of rotation. It didn't need to stay out of rotation for 50 years, but it didn't need to go to Grayson Aquino. Right. He's one of them, right? Uh, Greg. His name is Greg. Greg Aquino. Who the but he's F one of them. No. I, I can Somehow get to my trivia question right now if you want. Because uh, wait, we got to get a break in. That, let, that, let me get a break in. Okay. By the way, quickly, your Would You Rather Wednesday answers. So, number one, I got, I got to go back to him here real quick. We did um, the Pro Bowl. As far, yeah, as far as the, the Pro Bowl one, I would probably rather see the retired players come back and play. Like you said, Ed Reed, like a guy like that, if you put him in there. even I mean, screw it. Put Jerry Rice in there. Like, you, see, see, see what just, happens. It's, it's, it's just, I, I get it. I know what I'm getting, but you're also putting him on the field with some guys that are legitimately NFL players. I just, right, ex- exactly. I um, number two. Number two. I'll, I'll, I'll spend the, uh, the days explaining Seth Green. I think I can you get are, pretty interested Everybody in else is in on the heat. Yeah, everybody you know else is like, I, I can't, this is, this I feel sucks. Like me doing physical labor for an entire week would be a terrible, terrible... Uh, yeah, it would suck. It would be unfun. But right. I'm telling you, my brain, my brain would give way at some but point. But, like, I can sit at a desk and eat snacks I, and drink I, soda while I talk I, about I, Seth Green. So, I don't my, know. Bad for my brain. And number uh, three? Oh, I'll take the Ravens. Any day of the year, I'll take no. the Ravens winning their playoff games. Because there's no guarantee. I mean, look, there's no guarantee for I either hear, team that they I make hear, the playoffs. But the Orioles to, have I, a lesser chance. It, and everybody's saying that. So I, I, I did not calibrate that enough to figure out what the way it would have been. I, I think just, if, if your answer said 2024, I might have gone with the Orioles. Okay, interesting, interesting. All right, uh, get me your responses throughout the day at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. One of you is going to win a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill just for participating. And all this talk about Adley Rutschman gives us a reminder that if you haven't picked up this print issue of Pressbox yet, you need to do it right now. Get to your neighborhood Royal Farms, head to the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. We come back in, we'll get a tidbit and tube to wrap it up. Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com help.org that first sip that first bite mm. start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms Baseball is back, and so is the spring seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with our popular Korean number two sauce, and take a bite out of the Crunch Burger topped with home run sauce, white American cheese, and house made chips. It also features irresistible options like a baseball cut sirloin with blue cheese, grilled shrimp with garlic butter, and a strawberry salmon salad. And then there's the closer, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jack. This menu will be going, going, gone at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. GloryDaysGrill.com to find out more. Great food, good sports. 
The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley, And I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle, to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressbox sports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio so join us live on the bat around every saturday from 10 a.m to noon right here at Pressbox sports the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota dealer today it's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants like me Right now, you're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, winding down for the show. Don't forget, if you missed Simply the Bets yesterday, you can find it in all the uh, various locations, youtube.com slash pressboxonline, pressboxonline.com slash video, or facebook.com slash pressboxsports by clicking on the videos tab. Do it every Tuesday morning, 1140 a.m., brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. It is Simply the Bets. Uh, Weekend of Bookies is off this week. We'll be back next Thursday at 1140 as well. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by the Baltimore Police. Join a proud new generation of Baltimore Police and make an active difference in your community. Start with competitive wages and excellent benefits on day one. Join for good. BPDrecruit.org. Right, so we know that Buster Olney has thrown a bit of a temper tantrum regarding <laughs> Mike Messina uh, being the, the, the last guy to wear 35 before Adley Rutschman is actually relevant. And the Orioles have given out 35 again to Adley Rutschman. That's my tidbit this week, that there are 12 guys. 12. 12 guys that have worn uh, number 35 between 2000, and which was when Mike Messina left, and 2022, which is obviously when Adley Rutschman has debuted. So, Glenn, can you name... The 12 players that have worn number 35 for the Baltimore Orioles. Not a chance. Uh, I can name Bergeson. I can name Aquino. I can name Brock. Okay, so you got three. Yeah, that's that's the list. That's what that's I can That's the list? Okay. Yeah. Who else? So we got Josh Towers, who was actually... Oh, I did know and, Josh, and Josh Towers. Towers was pretty relevant, actually. Yeah, but he wasn't good. Stop. <laughs> it Stop. wasn't great. It wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, we have Matt Riley, which is a guy that... I'm, you know, it's somebody uh, reminded me of Matt Riley yesterday. Matt Riley. Yeah. Uh, Rick Helling. Rick Helling is one of the names. I don't Jesus remember Christ. Rick Helling personally. He was a mid pitcher. I mean, two thousand three. He had he had been good elsewhere, and it's he was about what they were signing at that point sure. in Orioles history. This is a significant one. Uh, Daniel Cabrera for uh, four different seasons. I mean, it was significant in that he was here for a while. He was here for a while, and not and, a great pick. And that in like moments, you could convince yourself, damn, he's got something. Mm-hmm. But he was never mm-hmm. good. I don't remember this guy personally, but the twenty twelve Orioles, Bill Hall, yeah, number thirty five. Bill Hall's name came up yesterday when we were talking Did to Steve okay. Johnson. Uh, Omar Quintanilla. Quintanilla, you know, I, d- Quintanilla, I, d- I d- also, I, damn it, I did know about some of these. I did know Quintanilla <laughs> was on the list. Uh, this one, he returned later in 2018, but uh-huh. Danny Valencia wore okay. number 35 in 2013 for the Orioles. Okay. Brad Brock, as you said, and then Dwight Smith Jr. and Adam Pletko are the two most Adam recent Pletko. guys to wear I, And number I knew 35. about Adam Pletko, too. Yes, I yes. did know about Adam Pletko. God, I really forgot some of these guys. I saw this list, and that's the only reason yeah, I, I knew. I, I, I thought it'd be a challenge for it. I didn't and, know and, if you... And by uh, the way, it's such a... Du- oh, why didn't, uh, why didn't Buster only care about when these guys... In what world would Buster Olney have been paying attention to what number Omar Quintanilla was wearing? And again, I'm not defending Buster yeah. Olney. I'm not. It's that we are, we are being intellectually dishonest in how we're having this conversation. One thing I haven't said about what Buster Olney did, and yeah. it's more just on him himself, is that he, that was his first reaction to the Orioles promoting Rutschman. 
And I thought that was a bit off. You know, I, well, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I don't know if he had said something to anybody else. I, I don't. I think that the other thing you have to keep in mind: Buster Olney's not a fan of the Orioles, so no, he no, wasn't no, going to no. be excited about um, Adley Rutschman coming up because he's That's not fair. a fan, right? Like everybody else's reaction is exciting. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, my first reaction was, "Well, he's not playing today, right?" Like <laughs> that was my first reaction yeah. because of the insanity of the timing. Um, Buster only has no obligation to cheerlead. Trust me, I I get where it seems like it feel it feels like it's been a bit much. I think the part we don't we don't want again we don't want to reconcile with is like maybe there's a reason why Buster only has not been one to give the Orioles the benefit of the doubt, right? And we don't yeah. and we don't want to acknowledge that because it's more fun to dunk on him. And I'm not even telling you to stop dunking on him, right? Because I get it. That can be fun in a certain way, and as long as it doesn't cross any lines, as long as you're not going to name calling or threatening or anything along those lines, like. I, yeah, Buster only is going to be fine. I, I think the biggest issue but, that people have taken with what Buster has done, and I'm not saying that Buster is incorrect in a lot of his analysis of the Orioles. He, it's more that he singled them out above other teams such as the Colorado Rockies and the Pittsburgh Pirates, and ones that haven't been good in a very long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the argument that people have made. Now, I, I, I'm I, again, some of what Buster has said, and I've said this in the batter realm, he's made some good points. I mean, it, he's said some things about the Orioles not spending money mm-hmm. where we thought they should have spent money. Mm-hmm. Paul and I talked relentlessly about how they should have signed another starting pitcher before the season. That was one of Buster's main points in the offseason that people were upset about. So I don't necessarily disagree with him. I'm, I, I really don't. I think, it's, I think everything is on Facebook. I get it, though. I'm not mad at let's just dunk on Buster only to dunk on Buster only. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at that because in a weird way, I think there can be something fun about that on stupid Twitter. As long, <laughs> as, as, long as we understand where that ends. Mm-hmm. As long as we understand that doesn't mean that blanketly everything Buster only says is wrong. Or he's, sure. When we start saying things like he's a hack, like you got to stop that. There, right. We can have fun and say, well, you're not invited to the front. We can do those things because they're silly. But when we start trying to take ourselves seriously, it becomes problematic. It can't get personal. And when you're, and I, like my, I, I love my guy Joe Paparato from WBAL. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, you, we think we're making really fun dunk on Buster only jokes. And he says something like, um, uh, God, I'm trying to remember what, oh, for F's sake, I'll, I'll pull it up. Cause I, I like Joe and I, I know it's not that deep. And so I don't want to, I, I, I wanted to make sure I had context before I said mm-hmm. anything. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to get after him. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez wears number 30. Can't wait for Buster to complain how the Orioles developed Chris Tillman into a top-of-the-rotation starter for two <laughs> to three winning seasons, and his number 30 wasn't retired. And I know what Joe's doing is just trying to make a joke, but, again, we're avoiding a topic with this mm-hmm. because we can't really compare. If What you think is cute is like comparing Mike Messina to other mid-guys right. in Orioles right. history. You're an idiot. And I know that's not what Joe was doing. He was just trying to, to get a laugh, and, and I like that. But there are young people... Lil Jordan, who's been interning with us, was fighting with Buster Olney on Saturday, and he was showing it to me on when I was at it. Say, did you see what I said to Buster Olney? I'm like, hey man, I, I, have fun, right? But do you understand how good Mike Messina was? Yeah, yeah. And because he's your age, the answer is no. I don't. I don't know. I didn't live it. You're showing your. You guys are showing your ass a little bit. And that's again, it's fine. This is Twitter. Twitter's not real life. Like I get it, but. It's embarrassing for us the way we're treating Mike Messina as a collective. Like, Mike Messina was a brilliant, best-in-baseball type of pitcher for a decade in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And we are not wanting to talk about that. Again, fun to dunk on Buster Olney. I get it. And it is a complicated conversation involving Mike Messina. But 
Yeah. We got to reconcile yeah. this at some point. We got to sit down and be adults at some point. No, you're correct. I mean, he, he deserves all the credit in the world for what he did. And he pitched in Camden Yards, which we know historically. It's difficult to do. It is. It's, it's very difficult to do well. And certainly the Chris Tillman conversation is a vastly different conversation. And, and again, I don't actually think that Joe Paparato is. He was jo- sure. Is it? He's making a joke. Yes. I yes. get it. I completely get it. I, I just, unfortunately, it's, it's sensitive because that joke runs into. Yeah, but we do have a Mike Messina problem in Baltimore. Right, and I think you and you and I know you and Sarita Hubbard uh, have talked about this a lot on your show uh, specifically because you had Adam Jones on, oh, am yeah. I correct? Uh-huh. About what the Orioles have treated Adam Jones in, in a Look, few ways I, in the past years. So, and I, and I think the the conversation with Messina is getting a little bit reborn because of the recent conversations about how the Orioles have treated Adam Jones. That's we got it. We got to talk about it. We, yeah, we gotta, yeah. we gotta. And I'm not. It's not me for me to drag the Orioles. That's not what I'm looking to do. Right. Like I said about the Adam Jones things, just fix it. Just fix it. Right. You be the ones. Say, hey, how do we fix this? And there's time to fix it. How can, how can we do this? Yeah. How is it that we make sure that you understand that we love you and that we're always going to love you? And whatever happened with Dan Duquette, that does not reflect the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. Right. Right? Like, how do we do that? I mean, Jones loved Baltimore so much that he refused to trade. Right. They could have sent him to a playoff team. Yeah, it was a little bit about that. It was a little bit. He didn't want to be a fourth outfielder. That's right? also like, that was yeah. a, that was a big part of it. But, but he had but a, he definitely uh, loved Baltimore. There's no question yes, about that part of it. Yes, he loved it here. He wants to be here. He wants to be part of the family. But they've got to want him to be part of the family, and that's a difficult thing, right? And realistically, like, Jones had a chance. Obviously, the Phillies didn't win the World Series in right, 2018. But, but he could have prioritized that again. There right. were there were a couple different things there. But the big one, and he's acknowledged it, is he still wanted to sign as a starter the following year. Yeah. And he thought it would look bad if he was somewhere where he wouldn't be starting. And he had assurances from Buck that if he stayed in Baltimore, he would continue to be a starter for the rest of the season. And for his future, it was important for him to continue to be a starter. So Yeah. That's all that is. All right. Uh, Tubular brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. 61 self-service kiosks in the FanDuel Sportsbook. The best place to bet all of the upcoming events this weekend, like the UEFA Champions League Final, Javante Davis, Orlando Romero, Indianapolis 500 and more. FanDuel Sportsbook, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here's what's happening tonight. Orioles and Yankees wrap up their series up in the Bronx. Tyler Wells, J.P. Sears. I don't even know what J.P. Sears is. Uh, at 7 o'clock mm. on Masson 2 tonight uh, as the Dodgers and Nationals are on Masson at 4. Also, if you happen to live in the Philadelphia or Atlanta markets, you can watch it on MLB Network. MLB Network today, Rockies Pirates 1230, Mets Giants 330, Phillies Braves 7, Rangers Angels 1030, YouTube Tigers Twins at 1. Big Ten Network for the Big Ten Baseball Tournament. Maryland and Indiana, the opener for the Terps. They are, of course, the top seed in the tournament. Um, and trying to make sure they lock up hosting a regional when the field is announced on Monday. They play Indiana today at 5. Eastern Conference Finals, Game 5 tonight between the Celtics and Heat, 8.30 on ESPN. Pivotal Game 5, and that series tied up. Uh, The Avalanche try to close out the Blues, Game 5 there on TNT at 8 o'clock. French Open continues on the Tennis Channel right now, and Carlos Alcaraz is in trouble, and that's not good news for anybody. Uh, oh, you! I'm assuming you didn't do the non-sports, but that's no, like, I, I did. Oh, you did? Look I, at you. I, I pulled it up. We got some. We got some well, decent me, shows. Give me a couple things. Master Chef debuts tonight, season twelve, episode one. This is it's apparently back. they're bringing the losers from previous yes, seasons. Yes, they're back. bringing back yes. the people who uh, have competed and lost in the previous seasons. I'm a big fan of that show. I don't know if anyone else is, but I do like that, so I will be watching. I like Master Chef, and I like Master Chef Junior a lot too. I don't, you know, it's fair it's, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, the Flash is on the CW, eight p.m. New, okay. new episode of the Flash. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw it in there. Okay. Um and some late night guys that are coming on tonight. John Hamm on Jimmy Fallon. I do enjoy John Hamm. Uh, Michael Che on Stephen Colbert and Seth MacFarlane, always a fun guy, on Jimmy Kimmel. John Hamm is in this uh, progressive commercial right now. Oh, really? With, I, I with haven't stupid seen it. flow. Oh, and it's 
it's actually quite funny. It's quite funny. I it's, feel like the flow bit's good. getting a little bit. Oh, uh, it's been it's been old for retired. forever, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Like this made it work somehow. Like this yeah. was good. This yeah. was good. All right, Zach, you are on Twitter. I am at zgoodman20. Give is the Zach handle. a follow there, and he'll be back with us on um, on Friday. Yes. Tomorrow on the program, uh, we will be catching up with Jonathan Donville from the Maryland lacrosse team as they get ready for the national semifinals on Saturday. Also on the program tomorrow, our weekly MLB draft segment. This week, we'll check in with Carlos Colazzo from uh, Baseball America at 1020. I guess it doesn't matter what time it is. I don't need to do that. <laughs> um, we'll preview the Final Four of Patrick Stevens, and I think we're making our Bowie Bay Sox trip tomorrow as well. So busy day on uh, GCR. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, the Baltimore Police, Great Eights Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin Still for helping out with booking at Griffin Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Wednesday evening. Uh, go Birds. Go Maryland Baseball. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too. <laughs>